Welcome to episode 453 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Righto, team, welcome along to episode 453 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Isles. How you going, mate? Pretty good, pretty good. Better, pretty better than the Aussies. Oh, don't, we'll talk about that in a second, eh? We'll uh, talk about that in a second. Uh, head you swim this morning? I'm a swim, yeah. 3.2 3.2? Yeah. Got to go back next week. My, my swimming buddy was there this morning. He said, Who's your swimming buddy? John. And Do you know John? No, no. The two Johns. You should yeah. get t-shirts. He said, oh, how was, your, how was that this morning? He was leading me out. I said, oh, I was okay, a bit tired. So you here next Tuesday? I said, yep, yep. So I said, Mate, he said, be, be on form next Tuesday. It's 100's day. And I said, oh, you're setting the program now, are you? Yeah, yeah. Next week's birthday day. So he's 47, 47, 100's on 130's. So I need to pull you, And you're going to do that? Yeah, I've got to, got to sit in here to look after your buddies. 47. 47 on 130. Is he just a swimming guy or a triathlete? Uh, mostly swimming. Does a bit of triathlon. But he's a better swimmer than me. Yeah, he's 47. Mm. Fuck it. You do a warm down, warm up, so you get your 5K out? I think we'll do 300 warm up. Yeah, you do yeah. want to get that 5K out. Well, mm-hmm. I'll come join you. Sounds good. You can take key time. <laughs> I don't know if I can sit on a 130 now. I don't know if I can either. <laughs> well, good luck with that. I look forward to hearing about that next week. I Am Talk is proudly brought to you by... Athlinks.com. Social networking for endurance athletes. Extreme endurance. Galactic buffer. Trainer road. Awesome training tool and of course all our fantastic patrons oh, where would be without the patrons you guys rock you know it you one other thing we've got to do today Bevan is we, and from here on in we've got to start just talking a little slower I asked again after my swim this morning I was in the change change rooms and someone told uh, us to talk too fast no no and there's another guy there I've never seen before at the pool and um, but I could tell him I thought he must be a triathlete he's got a high five bottle and he's got the sort of mesh bag and all the pool gear I said oh yeah and you've got the triathletes tan on your legs there mate and um he started talking to me, couldn't understand a word he said. He was a Welsh guy, and honestly, I got about every every tenth word and managed to string it together. Couldn't understand a word he said. And what'd you do? Sorry? What did you do? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I often do that with people when I can't quite understand them. And then they'll say something which you're not meant to laugh at, and they give yeah. you a look, and you're like, oh, bugger, they, they yeah. get that. I, yeah. So, well, luckily, I, luckily, I'm a real slow talker. You're the mm, problem. You, okay. know? you are the problem. You know? Take the responsibility. <laughs> okay, guys, in this week's show, we've got some news. We've got an age, we've got lots of news this week, actually. Uh, obviously, with Dubai happening and uh, some more important cricket news. Yeah. Uh, we have statistic. We have age group of the week. We have an interview, which we're going to inject early in, I see. Yes. So, I had an interview with Tim Hemming because I really wanted to get a feel for what was going on in Dubai. As you'll hear, there was some, some controversy there, but also just a feel for what the races are like outside of the little pro bubble um, because for the pros you know it's a, it's generally great money good experience but what else is sort of going on so I had a bit of a catch up with Tim yesterday and, and uh, we could almost call it the Tim Heming show because the amount of emails I woke up this morning he gave me 10 emails mm. and it, it was good info so it's all yeah. in there so well done Tim uh, Tim um, questions and answers and we'll do it patrons at the end okay guys news well Jombo again like last week what are we going to talk about first let's talk cricket baby. let's talk <laughs> Cricket. And all you Aussies, that's another reason we need to slow our talking down so you Aussies can understand when we talk about the cricket. Is <laughs> Although, did you watch the game? Yeah. Did you watch the whole game? Yeah. We, Joe and I sat down at two o'clock. Man, it was an emotional rollercoaster ride, wasn't didn't, it? didn't last long. Oh, I know, but what a game of cricket. It was so, for, again, for those around the world who know nothing about cricket. This is like 
little brother playing big brother. And yeah, big Australia, brother uh, almost great, always beat us. The greatest country in cricket overall for all time, hmm. and they always kind of pull through. And they're just they're just great. Like cricketers. all blacks of rugby. Yeah, really. And uh, and so we go along. We play this game, and. They, they get off to this massive start and we're like, oh no, they're just gonna they're just gonna embarrass us. And then out of nowhere, we just just killed, killed them. them. Oh, I was awesome. I'm jumping up and down. I was yeah. I was all over the place. And uh, so the Australia get out, and unfortunately, the last two batters added another like forty runs. That was runs. good though. That was good. Just yeah, well, it was a bit frustrating. Yeah. Uh, so then we come in, and we come in, and our captain spanking them, oh, spanking. We're just like, we're gonna, oh, you guys are an embarrassment. Yeah. And then they came back, then they. they Actually, they got in a strong position, really, didn't they? Mm. So, if, if, if you Americans are thinking baseball, it comes down to basically oh, it's really it's hard al- almost like the last ball of the bottom innings. Yeah, you, you, you're uh, two strikes down, three and, balls. Whatever. And at one stage, it's almost like your your worst batter's got to yeah, yeah. you got to. But then it's literally it, it's almost like it's the last ball of the innings, and the guy hits basically a home run, yeah. six runs. It was awesome. It was really it was <laughs> it was it was just great sport, wasn't it? And it's got no. It doesn't really have a great bearing on the rest of the tournament. No. But we still spanked Australia, yeah. and we'll take that one. Suck on that one. Well, if the Sri Lankans beat Australia, that. It's not good. Well, it was not good for Australia. Yeah. But, and then they get another rain down game. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm hoping. <laughs> the Aussies are out. <laughs> so it's going to be really, it's a really long tournament. So the next couple of weeks, we won't be talking about it because nothing's happening. No. We're just playing minnow teams and then quarterfinals, we should get through that. You'll get another should. update if, as yeah. long as we win. If we don't win, you're not going to hear nothing That's about cricket. <laughs> okay, guys. So the big race that we had was uh, Challenge Dubai. And unfortunately, I was a bit of an idiot. I forgot that it was on a Friday. Mm hmm. So I jump on the internet on, uh, I think it was Friday night, you put a post on there about the race. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, bugger, I missed it. And for you guys that are going through winter and you are doing some trainer workouts and you need, to, you know, we talked about this last week, if you want some coverage, it's still all up there on YouTube. There's six hours of coverage there. If you go to our Facebook page, you'll see that I had a link on there that said to the, to the live coverage. And it was good. So the way that I want to play this out, Bevan, is I want to talk about the race and then we'll put the interview with Tim on and then we'll talk about the controversy afterwards. Because when I went to bed on Friday night, you know, after seeing the race, it was like, that was that was pretty cool. It was, yep. it was a great thing. And, 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 and this race is, these challenge races aren't getting massive coverage, but man, they're a big deal. They're big money for the pros and they there's some game-changing things that are happening. And Well, maybe, maybe, well, oh, I don't want to get lots of emails about this, but... I'd be interested to see what kind of coverage it is getting. Like, you know, like, is it, you know, in our world, is it getting... Uh, it's getting an article. You know, all, all the websites, you go around all of them and they have the, the story about the race, but it's a one-off thing. Mm. Whereas it's, it's some of the stuff going on there is pretty significant. And the one, the one area I want to start off with is um, the 20-metre rule that they've brought in. I'm, I'm sure if we went back to the show when this news got announced, I would have said, oh, that's not going to work, it can't work, you know, you just mm. have these packs coming out. But we've seen it for the second time. We saw it in Bahrain and now we've seen it here in Dubai. It has made a massive difference. Really? So tell me about Mass. it. So again, you know, if you think about 70.3 worlds and, and a lot of main 70.3 races, you just end up having a pack. You have often have a few guys managing to nip off the front, but essentially you've got all the, the main players in a pack and it's a bit like the speeding rule on the road. You know, the speed limit's 50, people drive at 60. The draft limit, say, is 7 metres, people sit at 5 metres. Yeah. This 20 metre rule, the guys are getting spread out all over the show. There's no really? longer 
getting sit in, sitting in. There was still, I saw one pack come in that maybe had six or so guys come in, but they were miles off the pace. Yep. Um, so it's having a really significant so it difference. So it, it makes it a real race. Mm. And as Dylan McNeese said, I think on the show, was it last week or the week before, some courses it's not going to work because when you have lots of corner, yeah. real sharp corners, um, traffic islands, things like, like that. Road would struggle at times, wouldn't it? Because there's lots of... Yeah, I think it would. They'd be okay on the first lap, I think, but... There's uh, lots of kind of when you go through the towns and mm, bends, yeah. But Jeepers, it's working well over there. They're big, wide roads and, and uh, it just... I didn't actually see many officials out there. Maybe there was, maybe there wasn't, but the athletes' intent, you could see them really working hard to get out of the draft zone straight away so I thought that was really good um, in terms of the coverage of the the race if, if people who haven't watched it the picture quality again compared to what you get out of Kona and, and other races is outstanding you know this is just it's, it was streaming through YouTube and it was just really crisp, crisp clear pictures it's still not ITU standard in terms of um, you know getting really feeling like you're there and understanding how the race is unfolding but it's it's a long course race ITU's multi-laps it's a lot easier to cover but I thought you know if, if I compare it to say Kona and things like that significantly better yeah. um, commentators still had problems because they couldn't understand they didn't have weren't getting given enough updates and that's the same as what we get in Kona yeah. um, the splits were really were again quite poor not having any GPS tracking and not having many sort of timing mats so yeah. you didn't really get many split updates so that was really quite frustrating but again it was, it was a bit like Dubai I thought the coverage was you know, good. again minority little sports not Tour de France we're not going to you know, yeah. if your expectations are in the right the place kind of money you can put into something like that yeah I thought it was um, I thought it was pretty pretty good uh, they've got the commentary guy there it was pretty good they had um, and they had Michelle Vesterby in there she dropped an F-bomb in there at one stage <laughs> oh, nice Michelle. and they had Macca in there and she, they, they were both I thought the commentary was, was pretty good but they've got to get the split sorted out and it'll be interesting to see how WTC do with their, their sort of GPS tracking that they're bringing in yep. this year so Women's race, Daniela Reef is gonna if she can hold this form again, she's just gonna crush everybody. She really is showing another level at the moment, isn't she? And her run, she out she I mean she A she outbiked everybody, but B then she um she outran everybody as well. Like and by quite considerable amount. Um she, I think she ran a one seventeen and uh just spanked it. Yeah. Um so she is on another level, it was interesting to see also that she um, she was riding with a mid mid cleat foot position, which I sort of I yeah, took it up I in Kona. That there's something on her shoes; they almost look like ballet shoes in some way. Yeah, so it's um it's, it's one thing that I did last year as well um, is really shifted. My, I mean, I had just regular shoes and basically shifting your cleats as far back as you possibly can, so it's more of a mid foot position. And the theory behind that is it saves your calves quite a bit, oh, and then you're going to run so better. So okay. it's not there to help your biking at all. Um, okay. And what I've actually found is it's actually quite reasonably detrimental to your, to your climbing especially on the flattest it doesn't really make as much push through yeah okay. and so it made a big difference to my climbing to the to the detriment but then it, it helps you running and, there and are you, some did, studies. you do find it helps you running off the well, bike? you can't really tell but, yeah, it, but it, like, it seemed it seems to and the some of the studies that a number of people have done have shown that it, it is quite good so oh, okay. i think it's definitely you know your calves are one thing that blows out and i think it's uh it's definitely something that um people might want to consider if you're doing a you know fairly flat course but the what's, shoes what's this million dollar price purse hmm. is it a million dollars each and this is something that didn't wasn't um 
I didn't think was made really super clear when the announcement came out. Yeah. So they said there's a so there's a million dollar prize purse if you win three races. Yeah, and I thought, oh, that's just sort of the total prize pool or something. Yeah. But no, there's a million dollar bonus if you win the three challenge races. Yeah, the, and the I assume that must be races. male and female. So at this stage, Terenzo and Daniela Reef are the only ones that can win it. So if they win the next two races, so it's the it's this calendar year. It doesn't include. Challenge. Is there a better way of doing it? Because the only problem with, it, with that kind of cuts everybody. Out. Yeah, yeah. Like so now it's just you know, and also then there's just a few backhanders happening. Because if I'm Torenzo, oh yeah, you know, and I'm out on the course and I'm <laughs> getting a million bucks and I'm kind of in position. Because now Torenzo season all becomes about this now, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. It has to be a million yeah. bucks. It's a yeah. no-brainer. Yeah. But someone like Reef, like she, she'll take the million, won't she? You, you would Based think on so. Form. Yeah. Yeah, you would think so. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's, I don't know. It's like in a half right now. Who can beat Reef? Um, oh, somebody potentially could if they were on fire on the day. Like if it if it came down to a running race, like she had a two minute um, lead. The lead but if she had a bit of a shocker or something on the bike, um, who knows? Yeah, it's kind of cool. And it's kind of cool that these two people have a chance of getting it. And we'll talk a little bit later on about maybe that will need to be opened up. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, it, it's, it's uh, I don't know, if you, you kind of cut it off. Uh, maybe, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. But it's uh, but then obviously they don't want to give away the million bucks easily, do they? And so there needs to be yeah. a hard incentive. I'm just wondering if there's a better way of having an incentive that keeps other people in the game. Yeah. So it was um, racing for first, she just spanked it. Racing for second ended up being um, being real, relatively close. She had Heather, Heather Wirtle that came through on the run. She had a really strong bike and came through on the run. She's a bit of an ungamely looking sort of runner. Uh, she was four, over four minutes back and then Hallie Fredrickson also came through on the run to take third and 4.11. So, and then Jodie Swallow fourth, Annabelle Luxford fifth. The other no, in, interesting one on the swim uh, during early in the, in the race was Lauren Brandon. Uh, was a real surprise leader. She had lead out of the swim and you know when you got the likes of Jodie Swallow there, you don't really expect anybody to be off the front and then, uh, and she was leading for quite some time on the bike and I thought, I've never heard of you before, you must, but you must mm. be able to clearly swim. And then I went onto her website yesterday and thought, just read about her. And yeah, of course she's an ex-swimmer, but she had in her race report that she uh, she did she left her Garmin at home, and so she didn't have any power on the bike. Uh. And I was watching her in the coverage, going, "You look like you're going a little bit too hard." <laughs> and you know, you're at the lead of one of the massive races. She still managed to hang on to tenth, so she got some prize money. But uh, you know, she was leading for a long time, ends up 22 minutes behind. So well, well, very so, strong. So field. just on the swim, uh, apparently pretty tough. Look very tough. So a tough day all round, wasn't it? Yeah, no, that swim looked. The, the age groupers, when I saw some footage of them, they were just getting pounded. Really? So, you know, really choppy, windy swim. So hard for navigation. Looked like there was a current going as well. Really? It looked, it looked really tricky. And it's and it sounded like that Lauren Brandon. You know, she got that good lead in the swim by swimming a really good line, and the others yep. took a slightly uh, not so good line. Which, which in a bad day costs you heaps, doesn't it? Yeah. So no, that swim looked rough. Um. So the, the boy side of the race, boy side of the race, and so yeah, so it was an exciting race. Yeah, it was, yeah. But, but but maybe I was a bit more excited than others because we had a you know had Kiwi, a Kiwi yeah. in the lead. So you had a couple of guys come out in the swim. You know, had Potts lead it, lead out the swim, and Gomez was there as well. And then they got onto the bike, and Gomez went straight to the front, went straight past Potts, and and then and you, you kind of game over. 
more or less. You're thinking, yeah. oh, he's just got to sit there. He's just got to wait for others to, to catch up for Gomez. Um, and then, then it just started to just completely spread out. And there's guys all over the place. And Gomez was going backwards. And and uh, Ray Lewitt was coming through. And then you just see these shots of Terenzo um, pushing pushing up to the front as well. And But you're up in front of Terenzo. You had Marty What's his name? Marty Jims, Jim, uh, what's his surname? Marty Jensen. He pushed the front and was starting to get a really nice, healthy lead. But then Terenzo had pushed up into second place. So I'm thinking, where the hell did that come from? Mm. He was woeful, like terrible uh, in January at Auckland 70.3. And I'm thinking, I would never have picked him to be up there. And so at this stage, you think he's going to blow because he's taking a big risk? Uh, not necessarily. Okay. I'm just thinking I'm impressed that he's got up there. Okay. And you had Michael Raylert up there as well. Um, but you had uh, this uh, Marty Jensen, all the coverage was of him riding off the front. And then the strange part of the race sort of happened. And, and, then, and then behind them, the field was just just everywhere. You know, yeah. there, there was a few guys who had a, a break and then guys were just spread all over the bloody highway. Very windy. Um Fast course, smooth roads, but you're out once you're out in the desert. It's That's fighting. It's just it, it sounded like just hard work. What kind of temperature? Stupid hot? No, it's not. At this time of the year, it was. It, I think it was quite fine. You know, it's okay. like t- low mid twenties. Okay. So nice racing conditions. But then the strange part of the race happened, and we're going to talk about this a bit more later on. Um, somehow. So you're watching the coverage. You're watching the coverage. You couldn't really understand what happened because somehow the the, the leader Marty Jensen then started passing um, Terenzo and Ray Lert and one or two others, and he's got his arms up and they're going, "What the hell's happened here? I was supposed to be in the lead." As it turned out, a bunch of guys um, accidentally, the, the, about five of the front guys, sort of cut the course um, accidentally, turned early, and so then they went from sort of sitting, sitting, sitting second through fifth or something to being up the road, so still in the same positions except for um, the one who, Marty Jensen, went from being well off the front to being in fifth place and yeah. then passing the guys going, what the hell is going on here? Yeah. Um, so again, we'll talk about exactly the details of that later on, but then they came off the, the bike and so Terenzo's in the lead at that stage he, he, and then you had the Jens, Jensen come off in second and then you had Raylert and uh, another guy um, Manuel Kung who I've never heard of before who had a stellar day so at this moment you're thinking Raylert's race really aren't you well no Terenzo had about a minute on him oh, a okay. minute to a minute and a half okay. and you're thinking it's either Terenzo or Raylert yep. and you're thinking Terenzo he's on fire but you know, maybe he pushed pretty hard, but Terenzo had a fantastic run. He looked awesome. He's got a, a pretty odd sort of running style, but his cadence was just super high, and he just kept on crushing it. And really? Ray Lert didn't make any inroads. Was it awesome? Oh, it was good to see. Yeah, yeah, no, right, he was yeah. he was running good, real good. And and you know, we've got to think again. We'll talk about this other stuff later on. But um, Terenzo beat Ray Lert, who last year was yeah, outstanding, yeah. and uh, so he was he was on fire. And then Raylert, uh, it was Raylert, and then across the line, then you had this Manuel Kung, who I've never heard of before, come in third place, and Potts was right up there in maybe fifth or so. No, I think he got 11th, because once they'd made the change, he was out of the money. Right. So it was like six or, six or something yeah. like that. Um, and, yeah, so it was it was good footage. And, and so for Torrenzo, without going into the controversy, um, significant race for him, isn't it? Massive. Yeah, he's one of the world champs about... 2008 wasn't it, it? Was, yeah it's about yeah. somewhere back then and uh and it was you know like it was an amazing achievement take nothing away from it but it was kind of when it was newish you know it yep. didn't have the stellar field it gets nowadays um again taking nothing away from the guy that's a world champ um 
And then, you know, this race with this, this field, that's, that, field. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a great win, isn't it? Oh, it's massive. Mm. Really, really significant. Mm. So it was, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. It got coverage on New Zealand's news. Yeah. 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 So, a bit of a piece on the, on the mm. sports news. So he is now on the line, as we said earlier, to win a million bucks. Uh, you'll go, he'll go on to the other races. And as Bevan said, uh, you've got to think that he's going to be f- focused on that and uh, – Look, he's he, he he's been such a good seventy point three athlete. This is, I think, probably one of his best races ever. Yep. Uh, but he's never done much at Ironman. I know he, he got eleventh in Kona once, and he's yep. had seconds and thirds at Ironman New Zealand. But that just pales to how good he is at seventy point three. So he, he's going to be racing Ironman New Zealand um, this weekend. Uh, we'll see how he goes. But yeah, he's got a bit. I think this is a, a new era for some of the seventy point three athletes. Yeah, it's great. Um, okay, so then after the race, so I go. On- oh, one, one other thing I want to point out. Um, was Prince Nasser, who's the, the main guy sort of yeah. pushing all this money there, he did sort of a Rick and Dick Hoyt type thing. He pulled this kid around the entire course and we'll have a picture on our website this week. So this kid has basically got arms, arms a head and, and half a torso and then nothing. Yeah. And it's, it's really... Oh, I wonder what it was. It's just, just like chopped and I was like, is he... It's just like just below your sort of breast, your sort of tits sort of just chopped right off there, nothing. Oh, there's and a guy in Christchurch used to be like that. Remember that? Oh, if you ever went to Ducks Deluxe, he'd always be this guy, and he, he literally yeah. he was more at the hip, and he had this kind of um, this plastic plate underneath him that basically went up his body a little bit. Yeah, and he, he basically had big strong arms. He'd walk around like a monkey. This guy didn't have any hips, oh, was, wow. and and so he put, he dragged him through the swim, and apparently, I mean, that sounded, sounded really rough, and apparently that he was sitting on a kayak, and they had to have somebody else sort of keeping it up stable, uh, and then d- dragged him around the bike and the runs. So, it was, you know, he's just doing it to, to, to raise awareness, and some of the cynics can say what they want about that, but at the end of the day, I think still it's, did it, it still did yeah. it, and he is raising awareness, so it's um, good stuff, and he's really driving all the stuff, and 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 and, and it's Races. Oh Which yeah, was it would have been a, tricky. Yeah, really hard day. Really tricky. And then the other funny thing that I th- I thought quite entertaining, all the, the aid stations on the bikes, you had the woman in their full, you know, the full kit, you know, as you see in, in the UAE with the face masks and everything standing out there in the heat handing out drink bottles. So I thought that was pretty entertaining. Yeah, so what we'll do now, we'll chuck in an interview I did with Tim here. Well, 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 let's, let's, oh, do you want to do that first or do you want to give a little bit of insight into We'll um, do the interview first. Do the interview first. Okay. Here's Tim Hemming. So Tim was over in the race doing some reporting for uh, triathlon. No, no, two two triathlon uh, two twenty magazine. Two twenty magazine. magazine, and he was over there doing some work for those guys. Um, he was watching the race as well, as you know, mm-hmm. generally speaking. And so we just got him on to kind of talk through what actually happened and some other stuff as well. So here's Tim. Okay, the IM Talk budget has extended massively. We've managed to send a roving reporter over to uh, to Dubai, and uh, no, seriously, we haven't. But luckily, uh, somebody else has the budget to do so. And Tim Hemming's been over there. He's, he's uh, given up the tennis for a while, and he's headed over to Dubai. And uh, as you will have heard earlier in the show, you know we had the results in the race, and there's been a bit of controversy. So we figured would. Uh, a, get a bit of a feel for you know some of these races out in the Middle East and B, um, get the inside word on what actually did happen and how that news was translated. So first time on the show, I think. Welcome along, Tim. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, John. Um, you want to know the real reason I went over to the Middle East, though, was to get away from the cricket. <laughs> You're winning the women's cricket, though. You did beat New Zealand in the women's cricket, and there was a chant going pretty hard at, uh, at the New Zealand-Australia game, people going... You're worse in England. <laughs> so that was a bit of fun. Oh, so yeah, um, 
Well, you, you were sent over there. That in Gulf News. You, you were <laughs> sent over there by um, Two Twenty Magazine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I do. I write a monthly column for Two Twenty and do quite a lot of features for them. And it just so happened that it coincided with their annual show at Sandown Park. This event. Nice. So Challenge sent out an invite um, to get media over. So I went on Two Twenty's behalf. Cool. So in terms of, you know, you've been to lots of events around the world in terms of Ironmans and uh, you've been over to Israel and stuff. In terms of uh, an event from a from media perspective, um, how was it for you? Um, I think I've been to quite a few challenge events, probably half a dozen or so. And I think I'd like to start by saying this really. Challenge do a fantastic job. They're always, they always put on great events and they always do it for the right reasons. And you really feel in what they're trying to do with this Triple Crown Series in the Middle East that they're, they're trying to support the sport, they're trying to grow the sport, trying to get more people involved from age groupers and pros. And I think that, that definitely showed again in Dubai. Um, so it's all positive from that point of view. It's obviously not the easiest place to go. Anyone who's been to Dubai will know it's an incredibly busy city. The transport network is if you drive around that city it's, it's a little bit tricksy um so putting on a race at relatively short notice i'm not entirely sure whether they announced challenge to buy but it it wasn't that long ago so they've had a lot of arranging to do and they've had to put it on quite quickly so overall um i know we're going to talk on about some of the race in a bit but overall they do a fantastic job mm. It looked like from just the coverage that I was watching, there was more, a lot more spectators there than what we say saw in um, in Bahrain. Uh, certainly on the run, it looked like there was actually a few people out there, or not? Yeah. So I actually didn't get out onto the run course myself um, mm. with all the media stuff in terms of tweeting and rushing around and and getting back to find the Wi-Fi to upload stuff in, in as much real time as I can. Mm. I didn't actually get very far onto the run course. I was there in the in the finish in the finish shoot for, for the ends, and, yeah, the, the little gantry they had was fairly full, I would suggest. Mm-hmm. And there was a few comments that there were a decent number of people on the run course. Mm. The thing is, it's a much more cosmopolitan place, I think, than Bahrain. I haven't been to Bahrain, but it's, certainly Dubai is... Um, is, is a lot bigger, it's a lot more developed. It's a lot more developed, actually, than Abu Dhabi, where I went a couple of years back as well for the Abu Dhabi International Try. Mm. So I think there is an attraction there to, to draw more people in. That said, there's still a lot of work to do in kind of endearing it to the local population, maybe the local Emirati. There's obviously such a split between rich and poor in that place. Um, I'm not sure yet. Multisport has quite ticked the box. Mm-hmm. Even if Prince Nasser from Bahrain is trying his damnedest to to do that, and to get much coverage, because I know the tennis was on. I saw, um, I think Federer beating yeah. Djokovic or yeah. something over there. Did it get much yeah. coverage in terms no, of? No, I saw. Well, look, this is the thing. I saw no pickup in any of the local press, but this was me picking up a couple of the papers at breakfast time the following day. Mm. And when you look at the scope of their sports coverage, you, you're kind of saying, well, who who are they actually targeting? Um, I couldn't tell you what was in the arabic arabic stuff <clears throat> excuse me um the other stuff was was all from all around the world you know targeting u.s german british expats so ultimately it was you know still triathlon still niche and, and i guess even with what three hundred thousand u.s dollars on the on the on the line i mean what was the tennis worth it would probably have dwarfed it yeah. considerably so money wise it's not going to make an impact and and honestly it's still still quite a small event in the sphere of, of, of Dubai and the Middle East as a whole. It did make the uh, 
our main network news in New Zealand, obviously because of Terenzo winning, um, and they had, yeah. a, had a nice little clip on that. What about from the the athletes' perspective? Because you know we'll hear from the pros, and they're all saying it's going to be yeah. all these races are fantastic because you know they get course, paid well, they get looked after yeah. well. Yeah. Um, yeah. What about well, feedback that, they, from they, the they age groupers? Most of them will, John. Sorry, just on the that <laughs> most of, most of the pros will. But yeah. if you look at the pro, I think there was maybe a 60, 67 blokes, mm. and I think in the end there was probably twenty girls and. 20 women, sorry, and, and a couple did drop out, um, sort of Yvonne Van Berlerk and through injury and stuff. But, but look, not all of those pro, pros got invitations, and there mm. was quite a big British contingent that went over, and I know they all didn't, and I'm not saying they all should by any means, but some of the guys that went over, um, and I won't na- name any names, but they were, they found it difficult, you know? Mm. And if they weren't in the prize money, which, which many of them weren't, it was an expensive trip for them. They'd kind of rolled the dice and given it a go. So, mm. so yes, a lot of the pros do, and that's great for the ones that are invited. The ones that aren't, there becomes a bit of a discrepancy between the two. In terms of the age group, I think they had about 650 in the end, total numbers, which I didn't actually think was too bad. Mm. You've got a, quite a few expats um, racing. You've got probably some of the richer members of local society racing, and I think they all had a jolly good time. And I think... Most of them, without knowing too much and asking them to it much individually, I think most of them had a great time. They were very well looked after, and they were just pleased that there was a half iron distance race on that they could um, take part in in their sort of local region. Mm. Um, and when it comes to the race, um, you know, I watched uh, you know bits and pieces of the coverage, which was um, other than not doing splits updates and stuff. That you know the the, the TV footage was, yeah. you know, it's still not bloody um, ITU standard, but um, it was. Miles they need to get the helicopter in action and pan out, don't they? They do, but compared to WTC, yeah. it's um, it was you know it's a big leap leap, leap forward. Um, yeah. So yeah, in terms of the swim, they obviously changed that at fairly short notice because it was uh, it looked pretty tricky. Um, yeah, it's up massively. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but it it, it 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 looked pretty windy. Was it was it as bad as what they were saying? Yes, it really was, especially because you contrasted it with the, the two days before, and it was absolutely like a mill pond out there. It was flat, it was warm, it was, um, yeah, it was it exactly what you'd expect in a, somewhere to go on a, as a, a beach holiday destination. Well, of the morning of the race, it was almost like it was. Obviously, it's dark when you get out there to start with, which changed it slightly. It's cooler, and it was, yeah, it was blowing up a hooli, I suppose. Mm. Um, they did. They changed the swim course. It became two laps and i think they switched the direction of it as well due to the strong currents and the winds mm. and this the swim i didn't see too much of the age group swim but the pro swim some of it was carnage um mm. best example of that lauren brandon in the women's race i don't know if you saw the splits uh, yeah. on that but she must have she beat jody swallow out of the water yeah. by probably about 80 seconds i think yeah uh, now she's a she's a fantastic swimmer but that i think most of that was on picking a fantastic line to swim right um and the other girls were being thrown all over the place lauren actually nearly lapped the final female pro and it's a two-lap swim <laughs> so, so yeah. just to give you some some yeah example they they look like they've been through the the, the washing machine when they came out all of them oh it's good to have some of that sometimes yeah, it, is, yeah. it was great it was really good for the race yeah um, in and, terms and of Potts, andy Potts came out with a huge grin on his face leading the men's he obviously enjoyed it <laughs> in terms of the 20 meter by uh draft distance i'm not sure if you're on the bike course but that just seems to have made a gigantic difference to 
the way the guys are racing. You know, it did it in um, Bahrain, and it looked like yeah. the guys were just spread all over the place. And this is on a yeah. flat course. I know it was windy, but if you had a seven-meter rule anywhere else in the world, I guarantee they would have stayed as a pack. Yeah, no, nothing but positives on that um, from all the races. That, that's all I heard was positive comments. Um, obviously, the, the good swimmers are going to like it, aren't they? Because it gives them a chance to get away. Um, and you know, everyone everyone was positive on it. I suppose in in the fact that ultimately there was five guys that went wrong. Maybe the twenty meter draft rule, perhaps spreading the field, had something unwittingly to do with that. But <laughs> that can't really be a criticism. It's a yeah. It seems to be a very very positive thing. And when they all came back into T two. They all looked beat up. All of the all of the men who I saw come back into T two looked beat up, and there was obviously big time gaps between them, and they were coming in in dribs and drabs. Mm, that's great. Which is what you want. It's what you want. Yeah, absolutely. So, in terms of the incident, um, can you yeah. explain what uh, happened in terms of your understanding? Yeah. So, if you go, um, so t- trying to take it from the top a little bit, you mm. can actually anyone can watch this. If they go to about two hours twenty nine, I've just a bit flicked back through on the feed. If you go to 2 hours 29, you'll see Martin Jensen having um, plenty of discussions with the motorbike um, outrider who's with him. Um, Effectively, what's happened is there's people up the road that's never overtaken him, okay? Mm. So he's got out the swim, he's got to the front of the bike, and it looks as if, well, what... (laughs) what what has actually happened but at, at the time we weren't sure clearly something something was amiss um anyway the, the race track the race went through Terenzo first off the bike went on first across the line followed by Raylart followed by Kung um and then I was then at the finish line and the next thing was Tim Reed came through in fourth or fifth and Joe Gambles came through and clearly something something had stoked them something had got their eye um they knew that something wasn't right um there was i think tim reed said to one of the cameramen on one of the turnarounds on the run how come these guys are ahead of me they didn't pass me on the course joe and tim were asking questions at at, at the finish and um they knew something had, had gone wrong at that point i actually had a very good chat with andy potts who was one of the five guys who did take the the wrong turn if you like and he was he was I think genuinely oblivious to the fact that he'd done it. So I don't think anyone was trying to seek any advantage in this at all. So all of that sort of brought together. They did the presentation ceremony with a one two three of um, the first three across the line, which was sorry, which was obviously Botson, Rayla, and and Kung. And then they altered the top 10 for the awards later on in the evening. Um, what had, so what had happened? Um, Jensen was off the front. Then he was followed in by five guys. Now, it must have been another motorbike on the course, but not the lead bike who we think stayed with Martin Jensen. Must have taken a turn at a roundabout where they were doing, a, I think, a U-turn. Mm-hmm. Those those guys followed him those five followed him and then got in front and up the road now obviously they've cut the course um i think bike computers said they cut the course for about 3k that's unconfirmed Mm -hmm. but that was in some of the discussions um so yeah unwittingly they had clearly taken a shortcut and i don't think anyone tried to to argue otherwise 
certainly Andy Potts, I was speaking to him, he was just, he said he, he said his sight's not actually the best at the best of times with the 20-meter rule. It was just him and Ben Collins, who was another one of the, the guys who, who, you know, unfortunately did take a, a shorter route. He said they were a bit ding-dong all day. He just came in to T2 as normal, ran the race, and didn't know anything about it. Um, and I've no reason to disbelieve that whatsoever. Do you um, know, so you said two hours 29 into the race, or, or do you know at what stage they made that? Um, so that, that Yeah, so what stage the error was, I'm not sure. I, I, I would guess it's possibly around halfway through the bike. Mm-hmm. Um, clearly Jensen's agitated by it, and that's towards the, towards the end of the bike. Mm. Um, but then he, he, he makes the places back. I think he gets back into second coming into T2 behind Botzone mm. or Botzone. You'll probably know better on that than me. <laughs> Do you know if those guys that, that did the turn early, whether yeah. or not they were sort of in second through fifth at that stage? or were they? Yeah, they, they were, yeah. yeah. So, so yeah. they, they yeah. were in... So, you, so this is the thing, and this is why... Um, <laughs> So yeah, so this this is why the four minute penalty doesn't perhaps make so much sense because Jensen was leading. They came, you know, two, three, four, five, yeah. I think, and then there was the rest of the field behind. Mm. So so it wasn't like they followed the lead bike and the lead bike went wrong. Mm. Mm. They just followed an, a another bike, I mm. think, unconfirmed. So there, mm. that's. Yeah, and so um, in the the aftermath, um, once they everybody finished and they'd done all the you know they'd done the, the presentations, um, what information you know other than what you've said was relayed to you in terms of why they came about the four minute rule and um, does the rule books actually? I would have thought the rule book just would have said they should have been disqualified, but maybe it doesn't. Yeah, so so this is the thing. Um, sorry, bear with me one second. Um, there wasn't, yeah, there wasn't any, there wasn't any information relayed. Um, and the official ceremony went ahead with a reshuffled top 10. Mm -hmm. So obviously the athletes were told, told that because they, they took their places and lined up as, as the top 10. Um, I've put in, um, a shout to challenge to try and find out the reason for that four minute penalty. Mm hmm. Um, I'm waiting to hear back on that. So yeah. we shall ho- hopefully get a reason for that four-minute penalty. The um, in terms of the rule book, and yeah, the IT ru- ITU rule book, um, and it's 31 section 31 appendix two penalties and violations, failing to follow prescribed course. Uh, that's a DQ. You're right. Mm-hmm. Um, and what it looks like here is that, you know, the four, see, the four minutes is something of an arbitrary figure because even if they've done some math and said, well, 3K, that's about four minutes, it's obviously changed, totally changed the race dynamic at this point. Hmm. If it had been, the key point is with the four minutes, Terenzo still still was the champion. Mm-hmm. If, it, if it had been five minutes, he wouldn't have been. Hmm. So you know that you can see where there's potentially issues there mm. so what's your opinion on all the the, the schmoozle that's gone down you think they should have just um straight dq'd the guys or do you have an yeah. opinion on it i think my opinion is shared by an awful lot of the pros which is that yes it is a shame but in this instance 
it should be a disqualification. I think they've tried to appease the situation and appease everybody involved. And I think they don't want to cause any too much or any embarrassment actually mm. to 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 the local race organisers, the guys from Dubai, the guys from Bahrain, Prince Nasser, because obviously all the pictures show Terenzo taking the tape, coming across the line, winning that race. Mm. Um, so I I think they possibly pandered to that a little, mm. and. Uh, on reflection, I, I I think that is that's that's the wrong decision. Sadly, mm. um, the you know they could they they can like Andy Potts and Ben Collins have, have been pushed out of their top ten, so they've yeah. lost some money. Kung went from third to ninth, I think he he loses he loses some money. There's obviously some some winners who get bumped up into those spots, but I think if sort of monetary remuneration is an issue that could be done perhaps away from the actual race classifications mm. because you, you you're slightly making a mo- well you not slightly you are you're making a mockery of of, of the race and the rules mm. so um any other sort of comments around the you know the whole race over there or anything else you sort of observe that you know listeners might be interested in um I think Challenge Oman was going to be fascinating. Yeah. I was, yeah, I was speaking to the guy who's charged with putting that on. Um, he tells me it is phenomenally hilly, challenging oh, really? course, and the winds, yeah, the winds are going to get up. Um, he also tells me it's very green and it's very lush because it's in the south of the country, oh. so it looks like it's going to be a completely different race. Uh, okay. Challenge told me that's happening on August the seventh. Great. But I think there's still a little, little organising to do with that one yeah. um, at the moment. Um, what should we say? We haven't talked an awful lot about the, the, the women's race. I mean, that was mm. highly highly impressive all around. Danielle Arif was, was obviously she's, particularly she's, impressive as, again. Yeah, she yeah. absolutely spanked them. I mean, she ran a 117, so that was, that was uh, she, she's showing that she can uh, not only outbike them, but she can certainly outrun everybody as well. Yeah, she, she she's a she's an absolute class act. Yeah. She's incredibly serious. It'd be nice if she smiled a little more. But, uh, <laughs> uh, and any um, a, any yeah. British news or anything like that that um, you know, we're, we're not <laughs> the. Uh, they were following in the. I think they were following in the footsteps of the cricketers a little bit. The Brits um, yeah. out there. The yeah the um, the best place guy was Joe Skipper in nineteenth. Actually, Joe is one just because it's because you're an Iron Man show. Joe's one to keep an eye on. Um, he he's he's a very strong biker. Um, he's a strong runner as well. His swimming needs a bit of work. But when you look at the rest of the Brits he was up against, who've all pretty much all of them, Dave McNamee, Will Clark, um, come through that British triathlon schooling. Well, Joe hasn't, mm. um, and he's a young lad from Norfolk, Chrissy Wellington territory. Uh, he's definitely worth keeping an eye on. He won Challenge Weymouth last year, uh, and he was really gutted with his race. But if you go and have a look at his splits. They're not a million miles away, so he's definitely one to keep an eye on on the Ironman scene. Mm-hmm. Um, Brits, British men in Kona have traditionally done really poorly. This year, you, you've got Tim Don, Will Clark's looking at it. Um, Joe, as I've just mentioned, um, Dave McNamee's put his hat in the ring for that as well. They're all off, a couple of them off to Ironman South Africa, so maybe there'll be a presence, um, a decent British presence in Kona for once. Nice. 
Um, where else are we going? Yeah, obviously ITU starts next weekend. The Brownleys are in fine form, so I would imagine Alistair, Alistair well, well, obviously Javier Gomez was the big, big omission from um, Dubai. Yeah. Um, and he looked in bits coming off the bike, and he did start running, but uh, he then he dropped out. So Brownleys have had an injury-free winter for once, for probably the first time since Alistair, well, I don't know, 2009 or something. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you think they'd be uh, ready to put on a show and, and, and win back some world titles there. Any idea when they're going to, or if they're going to go to Ironman? Obviously, the Rio's their focus, but, you know, do, do, do yes. you, I think you know them a little bit. Do you, um, do you think they'll go Ironman? Uh, yeah, definitely. Mm. Uh, I spoke to Alistair in 2012 and uh, I asked him if, some, if, if, um, if he was offered a, a slot to race Kona then, straight after the Olympic Games, mm. he'd have snapped your hand off for it. Mm. Mm. So just, you know, because I think they just they just relish the challenge. Mm. That's what they're like. They'll just have a bash anything. I think the decision will they, it, it will only be made probably after 2016. Mm. And I and I think that's the I think if they were going to do if they were going to step up at all, they'd have probably been looking at these triple crown races. And uh, I think they were they well they definitely were in discussions for Bahrain. That's no secret. Um, mm. Maka was talking enough about that previously, and obviously it didn't happen. They never they never got there. So probably the money wasn't right, mm. um, and I and I think now, given g- given there's ten events in the World Series, and 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 given Rio is is fast closing in, it's going to be all eyes on the Olympic distance mm. um, draft legal stuff until then. But after that, certainly Alistair, you think would be stepping up to mm. do some more stuff. I mean, he's not going to go through another four year cycle without having a bash at something longer, mm. as long as he can stay free. Mm. Um, yeah, Jonathan would definitely have the Olympic Games in him if he wants it. Mm. Oh, fantastic. Oh, it's good to have you on the yeah. show, Tim. You know, you've been a long-time contributor, so nice to hear your voice. <laughs> and um, your, your girlfriend got on before you, but, you know, at least she got on there in the end. Oh, bless her. <laughs> I dragged her out to Dubai with me. She's got four fractures in her pelvis. Oh, goodness. From falling yeah. off a bike or from... Yeah, uh, she's a, falling off a bike. She's a little China doll. In, in Dubai or before going? No, back in December. Uh, so here's here's one for your reader, uh, for your readers, for your listeners. They probably know this already. But if you do fall off and you go for an X-ray straight away, it doesn't always show there's a break. Oh yeah. So she went to the National Health Service. They said no, it's fine. It was just bruising. A month later, she still wasn't right. So she went for an MRI. Yeah. And they they found four fractures in a in her pelvis. So. Oh yeah. Go. So you know she's on the men. But oh. no, her sports psychology is doing well. She's um I don't know if she told you when she was on the show, but. She's doing some stuff with um, London Irish in the Premiership, which is great. Oh, very good. Nice. Yeah. Awesome, Tim. We'll leave it you get some shadow because I know you've only just got in from uh, Dubai. <laughs> so thank you very much for your time and um, we'll look forward to continuing to hear from you. Thanks, buddy. Take care. Awesome. Cheers, man. Bye. So one thing that that seemed to seems to be coming up is that maybe some signs have been blown away. So what what happened is uh, I did my investigative journalism, nice. and, you and what yeah. happened I'm was the you're, the, you're the reporter. Uh, uh, the, 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 the guys, as I said, were sitting second through fifth. I think they basically made a wrong turn at one of the turnarounds, roughly at about halfway, and that cut off um, about three kilometres whatever the distance was of the course and and the end result what they did is they they figured out roughly how long it would take to to ride that distance and then they put that time onto all those guys finish times all the guys that finished uh which that made that 
bad turn, which there was five of them, I think, had four minutes added on to their penalties. So then it, what it turned out, it changed the makeup of the top ten. Terenzo still won. Tim Reid went from fourth or fifth or something like that up to second place and uh, other guys sort of dropped down and like Andy Potts someone like him he dropped out of the top 10 out of the money so it was a really unfortunate situation and you just feel for everybody you feel for Terenzo because his result kind of looks a little bit iffy now Um, you feel for the organisers it's obviously it's just for guys that go out there and just say oh these organisers are shit it's really hard to get all these things right it's Yes, it's a simple thing. You should block the bloody lane off with cones and stuff like that. But man, this is a new first time they've run the race there. The marshals and officials won't have a clue what they're doing. Mm. And no matter how many times you tell people to do things, it's, it's, I've run enough races at a small level. It's not as easy as people think. Yeah. So you really feel for challenge. I put a massive effort in there. Um, and then everybody's got their opinions on whether the, the, the penalty was the right one or not. Um, so traditionally, you'd be too cute, no matter what. Yeah, and and I would have thought in the rules, you know, I, I, I thought I mean, if I was in that situation, what would I have done? And I would have thought the rule book would it would not become a decision. The rule book would just basically make the decision for you. If you don't complete the course, you're disqualified, yeah. irrespective if you get let off the course or whatever. So but is it, it, it's hard if it's bad race directorship. It's ultimately, whenever I do a, an official, uh, a briefing at a race, you always say the line, it's the athlete's responsibility to know so the course. course. Yeah, that's true. So I definitely agree with you. If you get let off course, you're like far out. Because that's, I also read somewhere that they were following some random motorcycles. It could have, they, could have been with a, uh, they could have been with a race official who yeah, went the wrong way. And I remember watching Ironman New Zealand many years ago and the leader, I think, I think it might have been Rick Wells. It was either Rick Wells or Ken Glar. They got led off the course by the lead vehicle. Oh, really? And what they ended up doing is they got back to transition and they just drove up the road the extra distance and turned back again. Oh, really? So again, not entirely fair. The, the cut part he missed off the course may have had a hill in it or something, yeah. but they tried to rectify it on the spot. Um, but I would have thought that the norm, in normal circumstances, the rule book, as harsh as it is, would yep. have said, I'm sorry, you're disqualified. I had a organised a race a couple of weeks ago, and a secondary school student. They were the leading team. They went the wrong way around the roundabout. It was so bloody obvious. You would have thought, but they managed to stuff it up and yep. turn around at the wrong point. And I said, "I'm sorry, I've rules. got to disqualify yeah, you." Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's it's a tricky one, and yeah, it's just a bad situation. And so the argument was that the, the, the organisation were they measured the distance that it was. They measured the, the, like a Trento put a post up saying you know the, the distance how how far we would have gone time wise in that. He said it was actually about three forty five was the distance based on the average speed. Um, and so uh, it got taken four minutes off. Mm. Now the argument then becomes, okay, well that's cool, but then it's a to- totally different race because let's look at Tim Reid. If he had still been closer to these guys, would he have been push harder? Would he have pushed for the win? And, and, and he's it? the one that, if this had just been a one-off 70.3, there wouldn't have been all this so much of an uproar, but it's big money when you're going from, yeah. you know, Tim's gone from fifth to second, um, but still second to first is, is a big jump in money. But he's probably, thing? yeah, he's probably the big loser here is because, he is no, you know, he's gone from being say two minutes down on the bike to being six minutes down, and your mindset changes. You're going, yeah. oh, far out. Now, yeah, if you see the guy up in front of you who's in the lead, mm. you know, we go deeper, don't we? You know, and and when you're racing for fourth or fifth versus, you know, if he'd come off the bike two minutes down or three minutes down, he might have thought, I've got to go at this because he did run. Tim ran one eleven versus Terenzo's one thirteen, mm. and he ended up 
on this adjusted time being 50 seconds behind. So it may or may not have had an impact on the overall placings. Um, it's really hard to say, but I'd say t- the two the two people that really probably suffered out of this are Tim Reed and then also Marty Jensen, who was who was having a Barney on the bike, going, "What the hell has happened here?" So his headspace yeah. would have just gone ballistic. Yeah, and so he and obviously he loses his advantage because mm, he was a cyclist. Yeah, so he might have lost several places there. He potentially could have even been, you know, he might have run differently. Yeah. So he potentially could have been in for the win because he would have been in front of Terenzo off the bike. So, yeah, just a really unfortunate situation. It was it was such a fantastic race and such a strong field. So what do you think is the best outcome in regards to the million-dollar prize purse factor? Um, I'd almost say you've got to just zero it. Oh, so, so it's out for the year? No, so you say everybody who, say, raced in Dubai... Um, maybe you'd, maybe you'd say anybody who got in the top ten is still in the running for it, and you say then it's just zero. So you got to win. You got to say you had to be. I don't know. You the say, problem say, is. So you got to be in the top ten in Dubai, and then you're in the running if you win the next two. Because if you didn't go to Dubai, you shouldn't be in the running. And if you no, didn't have a reasonable yeah. race, yeah. But, but yeah, it needed to be people who potentially. Yeah. But you could say the top three of either one. You could say that if you're in the top three of the, the first people across the line, or the top three of the people who actually got the upgrade. Yeah, I don't know. It's just you just have to. But make the it. problem is, is challenge probably don't want to give away the million bucks. You know, <laughs> no, I don't think. No, I don't think that's the issue because I think for those sheiks, the money. And those sheiks, that's nothing. <laughs> I it, it is. It is. It's, uh, 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 I mean, and, and part of the reason I think this decision is probably made is. It's a different culture over there, and you know it would have looked pretty bad in all the papers and what have you if Terenzo hadn't. You yeah, know, he'd got the check, he'd crossed the lines, all the pictures, and then go, "Oh, we disqualified him. We yeah. made a mistake. It was our fault." And that's just different over there. Now, uh, the, the, the thing about it is, if, if we go back to the conversation we we're having before about it's kind of a bugger that after the first race it becomes a one-horse race for the million dollars. Mm. If they do go for, let's just say what you suggested, which is the 10, you know, if you're in the top 10. Or top five, whatever it might top be. Five, you know, top five in the race, then you can potentially go on. It actually keeps the million dollar price purse more interesting, doesn't mm. it? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it's just a shame because outside of that, I thought it was a, a, a really good event. Let's push on, Bevan, it's 7.40. Well, we've, done an, we've nearly done an hour of the show, and it's all about this one race, so and the cricket. So, yes. uh, Okay, so next the next thing we have is it seems to be, John, that... Um, I mean, oh, just, no, Tim, Tim Henning did just say a couple of things post-interview. He's just saying, um, after telling John that he was fighting fit uh, at starting of the season for the first time, the Brownlee boys... Alistair Brownlee, I think. Yeah, he's gone over and on his ankle and he's likely missed Abu Dhabi. Mm. Uh, given their 10 races and they don't have to race them all, looks likely they won't risk any further injury in sprint distances in the Middle East so he can recover for Auckland and Gold Coast when's Auckland? End of March so it must be in two or three weeks time three okay. weeks maybe so there you go um, coming, coming up, up this weekend I'm in New Zealand yes and it could be yeah it's going to be a very interesting day I think it's, because not, it's not the strongest field in the men's race is it's it? it's not but it's quite an interesting field so we've got It's it, you would expect it's probably going to be a three horse race so you've got Cameron Brown Terenzo Bazzoni and Dylan, Dylan McNeese and then the rest of the field probably not going to be in it I mean they might run past those guys if they blow up the only potential guys that could be a real interesting part of the race is Graham O'Grady he's a Kiwi who's a good 70.3 athlete but has yet to register a, um, a decent 
Ironman. 1330. 1330. You can do better than that. His expected run time is 7 hours and 59 yeah, I minutes. Think, I think you can do better than that. Uh, and then Andrew uh, Yoda, who's an American guy who can uh, bike, up, small. bike up a storm. Green, yes, green yeah, and small. Green small. And yeah, it's going to be interesting. So Dylan's going to have the fatigue from Wanaka. Yes, which kind of takes him out of it a little bit. It does. And if it came down a to a running race, you know, if it was him and Brownie, he, yep. he can't. He, highly unlikely. Like Dylan's probably good for a, a two fifty if he yep. had a really good day, um, which don't, won't match Brownie if he's on a really good day, say two forty five. Yeah. And then Terenzo is Brownie still up to a two forty five? But yeah, yeah, you think so? Definitely yep. not. Not up to two forty. I think he's run two forty two there, maybe. Yep. Um, but I think he's between two forty five and two fifty. Yep. So if he doesn't have a crappy day, no but reason why Dylan can take him forty two. Yeah. Yeah. So and then you got Terenzo, who's obviously fit as a fiddle. But yeah, how much fatigue is, is he going to take? He looked pretty good finishing. He didn't look like he was in, in major distress finishing, but I probably wouldn't be either if I just won $65,000. <laughs> uh, so it's going to be interesting. And, and the other interesting part of this is that I think it's going to be a man-on-man up TT. So yep. you're going to have Dylan off the front yep. in the swim, and so he'll be riding solo. Terenzo will either be by himself or have one or two with him out of the swim. And then you have Cameron. So they're going to be spread out probably across about four minutes. You know, Dylan will probably swim. But Cameron will have the advantage of cyclists coming through as well. You know, yeah, being able to in work this field, more. probably not. Mm, true. So you have Dylan, say, doing 45. Terenzo may be doing 47. And then Brownie may be doing 49. Yep. So they'll be spread out all over the place. So it could be really interesting. I foresee them probably coming together on the bike. But maybe not. Dylan's a pretty strong rider at the front of the race. So. And, and, you know... In- the brownie factor in Taupo has to be accounted for. You know, the guy's mm. won the race 10 times. Mm. And I know it's been and a few years. But and he's in good form. He'd had a good race, 70.3 in Auckland. And uh, so, so if you're betting man right now, you'd say brownie? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And purely just because the other two have had two big races mm. too soon to this one. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting, Marco Albert's not coming back, you know, defending champion. I when he comes why. back. So maybe maybe he's doing Melbourne or something. Maybe he's injured. Who knows? On the girls' side of things, uh, you have Meredith Kessler versus Gina Crawford is the main race. Meredith was racing in Abu da- uh, in Dubai last weekend. Didn't have a particularly stellar day, and to Gina, but Gina's got Wanaka in the legs. So, you know, you'd, on form, you'd normally put Meredith in front and Gina second. The one interesting one that's going to be in the mix is a girl called Jocelyn McCauley, who was the fastest age grouper in Kona last year. So normally you'd say Versa Pro probably not going to be quite. Up, and she's racing pro, you'd say it's probably not going to be the same standard as Gina and Meredith, but the first age group in Kona is usually pretty decent. So she, if those girls aren't on form, she could give them a little bit of a tickle up. I'm on Marco Albert's website, and he mm. speaks another language. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So I can't really give you the update on what, what he's up to. He's at Geelong, I can tell. He's yeah. Geelong in Australia. He's been he? racing in Australia, so I reckon he's probably doing Melbourne. I'm going to Google Translate. You, you keep talking. Okay, so we also had some big announcements from the Middle East. There's now a Bahrain endurance team, and my God, they must have spent some money on this. So this is the lineup. You've got... Javier Gomez, Jan Fredino, Terenzo Bozzoni, David Pleese, who lives out that side of the way, uh, as does Eric Watson, and then Daniela Reef, Tim Reed, Marty Jensen, Jody Swallow, and James Kanema, plus three more to come. That is a ser- some serious firepower and some serious money going into that team. Oh, fair So, it, yeah. I mean, to pay someone like Fredino and Gomez, those guys are the top echelon. It's, it won't be small time money no. going into it. So they are just going for it. 
I'm going to be really interested to see if these teams really are just a marketing gimmick like they were for um, Try Dubai and stuff or whether they actually try to create a team like they do with Team BMC. So a lot of these teams that are popping up is purely just putting a logo on your top and using it as sort of a joint marketing. Whereas the Team BMC, you place BMC really seems a like team, a cycling yeah, team. Yeah. You've got your masseuse, you've got yep. your, you do it was your camps. Official organisation when we were in Kona. Yeah, even just like the media day, you know, it was all sorted out. You got a media manager. It's a team, and you'd see the athletes talking about. You know, there was there's the higher level athletes with the development people, and you know, mm. yeah, there really was as you talk. Um, so it'd be interesting to see if if this is that or if it's just a um, a name on it, and they all go over to, to Dubai once a year, or Bahrain once a year, and, and do a camp and do the race and uh, and try to raise exposure or whether they actually do um, do race the team. So really going to be interesting to see, but man, that must be costing some serious money. But great for the pro athletes, gives them, you know, gets them well rewarded. Well, we still got the email through from Alistair uh, Horobin, which is about the Coca-Cola one as well. So there's a Brazilian slash... Boulder team. Yeah, yeah, that's what they're kind of talking about. And uh, the piece kind of goes on to talk about that with this team, it really is just about having the name on the on the top. They're yeah. not going to be te- training together. There's no real association other than the fact they're sponsored by these companies. Um, the, 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 so it's got some Brazilian athletes. John, do you want to do the names? <laughs> no, I don't. It's basically got um, Joycey and Tim Don and Paul Matthews and then a bunch of Brazilian sort of development athletes. So it is about raising the profile in Brazil and having some marquee athletes. So the Joycey yep. and that were, was down there racing in Sao Paulo last weekend. So it is still about promoting the sport in Brazil and that's where obviously the Coke sponsorship probably comes from and they're talking about the year of the Olympics and mm. all that kind of stuff you know, with that mm. exposure they're trying to get more exposure for their athletes and stuff like that we're interested to see what kind of deal they get obviously it's pretty good they've also got Craig Alexander as the coach mm. um, but he will not be racing in the kit and now one thing is when the article they're talking about how Joycey, Don, Matthews they still have their own sponsorships outside of this but they yeah. just have the Coke association with it as well so mm. Because you think that Coke dollar is not probably not too bad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's that 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 really is just a money grab, and I don't no, no. <laughs> not not saying that's anything negative to to Joycey or Tim Don or Paul Matthews. It's just a straight sponsorship transaction. But when's the last time we've had a Coke in the sport? Mm. You know, like a Coke brand mm. of that. You know, a, a a world brand that everybody knows. We haven't had a brand like that. No, sponsoring a team. No, probably since the eighties, really. No, yeah, you know. So, you know, hopefully they can do a good job, and that could open up more. You know, and then you more can, sugar for our teeth. Yeah, exactly. Right it's probably going to go with Coke Zero. <laughs> You're right. You know, like you know, like when I saw that, I was like, you know what? Sponsorship. You know, you get like Chef Ariad. I drink a lot of Coke Zero, so I can't be too critical. But you kind of think that with the health, you know, if you're going to go for a, a sponsoring an athlete, Coke Zero would be a much better choice. But you know, Team H two O. Yeah, nice. Yes. I don't pay much money. No. Open turn on the tap. Yeah, <laughs> New Zealand um, waterboard. <laughs> uh, the specialised shift aero bars. Oh, this is just one interesting one. So there's been a massive recall of the specialised shiv aero bars or on, on the shiv bikes. One week before I made New Zealand, it's basically the, the potential for them to completely break is. Wow. And and so if you're racing Ironman New Zealand this week, you got to try to get it sorted before the race. People will be stressing to the max. Well, there's not many of those bikes out there, are there? Because oh no, there's no, there's a lot. Oh, there is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, well yeah, there you go. So. Good luck to people. And the John's ITU update this weekend, round one, ding ding, Abu Dhabi. Good stuff. Good strong fields. Sounds like Alistair Brownlee's out. Be interesting to see if Gomez recovers in time. But if you want some, well, they pulled out. 
Yes. Oh no, yeah. but Gomez, yeah, he sounded like he was injured. Oh, was it injury? Yeah, was yeah, it? Sort of oh. sounded like he hip flexor or something. So it'd be interesting to see how You'll that pick. go there. Um, probably Brownlee, probably um, Jonathan. Jonathan Brownlee. Okay. Uh, Jumbo, next question is sponsor. Trainer Road. Oh, right, people. John, you, yep. just won the Trainer Road. I got an email yesterday. Uh, Trainer Road. So, because um, like, they've sponsored us in the past. They've yes. Come back and they've, you know, gone, gone and sponsored us. And what did we do last time Trainer Road sponsored us, John? Uh, we're supposed to do the challenge. We did a challenge. Remember no, you, you didn't do it. No, I didn't do it, but you put it on there and, and yeah. we did a challenge and someone won it, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. Did, did, you, get, did you send the prize? <laughs> I must have done. No, you didn't. Buddy Post, New Zealand Post. They're not if they want to sponsor the New show. New Zealand Post. Flick it through to me. I'll send something through. Paul Williams. I got an email from Paul Williams. Hey guys, I'm just getting back into training after a long layoff, and I'm loving using Trainer Road as a virtual power, as most of my bike training is done on the indoor trainer due to a massive time constraint for kids and two businesses. That is a massive time constraint. Um, I'm only getting on the road once a week. I'm considering buying a... Oh, no, that's not the one I want. Oh, God. Paul Williams, love, love your trainer road. Wait a second, where's the guy? I'm gonna, okay, you I think talking. I had to DQ him because he didn't have his FTP set high enough. <laughs> you, you talk and I'll find the email. I'll send, I'll send something through. It was a legit competition. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and we'd send it, I may have... That was like may a have year and a half ago. I may have, it wasn't that long ago. Adam, here we go. Adam, I'm going to say... Color Gris, Color Gris. Um, I'm with Trainer Road recently. Uh, with Trainer Road recently, coming back on board as a sponsor. I was wondering if I might actually collect my prize from them for winning last year's Iron Talk 125 FTP Challenge. I'm pretty sure I won this as you announced it on the show. <laughs> Though I could be wrong. Either way, it's great that you got them back on board as Trainer Road, along with my Wahoo Kick, has become one of the most important training tools. Just on the cricket, whilst it pains me to say that. Uh, this, as an Aussie, you guys definitely deserve the win on Saturday. But seriously, could have come any closer to another America's Cup moment. My Joe did say that this could be the America's Cup. So I'll sort that out. So Adam, John, sort it out. Send me the email. Uh, so Trainer Road, we're getting ready for our boot camp. I'll probably kick it off next week. So what you've got to do if you want to get get amongst us is you go to Trainer Road, sign up. Join the I Am Talk team. I think we nearly got about 300 people on there now. Nice. And we've got to make sure that there's no fudging it. So you need to basically set a little target. Based oh, so you're doing another challenge now? Yeah, so we'll do, we'll do a little little boot camp. So if you want, if you just want oh, to boot camp. get your get your crap together for a couple of weeks, we're going to put up maybe eight or ten sessions to do over 10, 10 days. It's not really going to be perfectly periodized. It's going to be eight or ten sort of reasonably hard, hard sessions. But we need to make sure that you have a power number there. And if you haven't got a power meter, don't stress about this. Um, you can basically use virtual power. So if you go onto trainerroad.com slash virtual hyphen power, uh, you should be able to find that on their homepage if you can't remember that URL. You can go on there and it'll, basically it's got all the trainers listed there. And as long as your trainer is listed there and you have a speed and cadence sensor, you can use virtual power. It's not it's quite the yeah. same thing, but it's pretty pretty bloody good in terms of their, their sort of stats that they've got up there. And you need to go on there and they have an 8 or a 20-minute TT you can do. And based off that, that will set you an FTP. You don't need to worry about 
doing anything in terms of percentages or anything like that, it will work it out for you. You need to go on there though and follow their workout that they've got an 8 minute or 20 minute TT and then it will give you an estimated FTP and then all the other workouts will be based off that. If, if, you, if, if that's sounding really complicated and blowing your socks off or anything, it's really not. You literally, as long as you have some sort of trainer and a cadence sensor, they'll just talk you through it and then you just have to do the workouts and then it will just tell you your FTP number and then when you go through these other workouts, that'll be stored there and it'll basically be telling you what you need to be pushing as you go through. It does become pretty obvious. It's not overly complicated. If you've got a power meter, great. If you haven't, don't stress, you can use virtual power. And it'll just give you a nice little kick in the pants if you're looking, you know, we're, we're into the third day of spring now for you guys in the Northern Hemisphere, third day of autumn for us. Yeah, and it's 30 degrees every day. Yeah, <laughs> yesterday it was jeepers. And, so uh, we're going to put, I'll put a link to this on Talk. Yep, yep. And then next week what we're going to do, if I get my crap together, we will start the sort of boot camp and we'll put like a two-week plan up there. You don't have to do it within the two weeks, but we want to sort of come encourage on, people to come on. get in there, do all the workouts within two weeks, and they're all based off your FTP to make sure that everybody's working at the same relative intensity. And guys, remember if you aren't on train road, like the price point is stupidly cheap. You know, it really is. If you're ever doing any kind of trainer work, which, you know, most athletes do at some stage, there's real value in, in a tool like this. It keeps it interesting. Like trainers can be the most boring bloody thing ever. Mm. And, you know, for a tool like this, for this price point, it's pretty great. So go we'll go to trainerroad.com and uh, rock on from there. A bit like that listener said just before about um, about Trainer Road and Wahoo Kicker. You know, that's it, perfect combo. That's made a massive difference to how I can tolerate indoor training. Yeah, massive. I've just gone on Facebook because we've got a Facebook question coming up, John. But there's a great there's a great post just for our Aussie listeners. Uh, currently, the All Blacks have the Bledisloe Cup. We have the Tri Nations League Cup. <laughs> Loving and it. And we have the, the cricket, Chapel Hadley. Chapel. So actually, we should probably start playing Aussie rules because I think that we'll probably is brilliant. Them. We beat you at league. We beat you at cricket, and we beat you at rugby. <laughs> we, John and I got to start playing Aussie rules. That's what a, we're saying. There was a brilliant chant going up um, during the cricket at the weekend. <laughs> You're worse than England. <laughs> <laughs> Although they weren't in the end, they came back. But they, oh, the Aussies close. put up a fight. That's the thing. Anyway, so um, trainerroad.com. Get ready for the challenge. Time to go and do an eight minute. If you're in good shape, you should be doing a twenty minute time trial. If you're on the way back, an eight minute one will probably give you, it gives you a close enough estimate for your FTP. It's not a the best measure, but to to, to do a twenty minute time trial when you're not in fantastic shape is a pretty big ask. But So if you're on the comeback, just do an eight-minute one and that will give you a number that's close enough. Okay, discussion of the week. So last week's discussion of the week was Bev and John were talking about the stupid things you have tried to do to gain an advantage. So this week we want to know what were they for you, um, you know, over the times. And I'm going to start with Stephen uh, Pet. Pet? Pet, I say? Pet? He was, uh, I think he was one of our patrons last week, maybe. Oh, I love your work, Stephen. Okay, no. I, I couldn't find the baby oil pack in my race pack the night before the race, so I ended up packing the KY thinking it would assist oh. the wetsuit removal in T1. Wrong. It made both arms and legs super sticky. Rookie error. One piece of news that I forgot to mention earlier on that I did put on our Facebook page is... Uh, that was on Reuters, apparently um, Providence Equity uh, potentially looking at selling Ironman. Don't think it'll make any difference to, to Joe yeah. Bloggs, but just interesting. Yeah, but the, did you read the piece? Yeah. Because of valuation. Yeah. Like I remember thinking it wasn't as much as I thought it would be. Yeah. Um, anyway. Anyway, uh, Kevin Murray, 
not something that I've done myself, but once saw a guy wearing his cycle helmet as he was about to start the swim in a pool-based triathlon. I'm not sure how much time that <laughs> saved him in transition. <laughs> it's sensational. <laughs> Lucy Francis, I've made uh, too many, usually some homemade bike contraption to hold my nutrition, which usually fell off halfway through the race. But the worst was putting a slice of malt loaf, sticky brown and sweet, which proved to be very tasty. However, it stuck to my teeth. Imagine a horror looking at the finish line photos of me spying looking like I'd lost a two for two. Not right. acceptable. Uh, Sam Swimbike Run said training. I tried it but it just felt wrong. Oh, nice Christine McKinley, not wearing socks and a half Ironman to save transition time. Ash Burton, circa 2005. I think that's the year I did it, John. Yeah, I didn't do it that year. And I got I got, I got third, didn't I? Yeah, I got third. No, you got second. Second, did I? And so I ran, someone else got third. Ran 119 or something. Smashed it. Um, massive blisters on the soles of my feet. No, no, was a, no I ran 32 or something. And you you always you, doubted it. No, what was the year that you bloody beat me in the half Ironman? No, oh, that, that was, was it. Yeah, no, that was yeah. a sad day. But the guy from down south killed us both. Yeah, I said, oh, if you feel be fine, don't worry about him. We'll yeah, because I got up to John on the bike, and I go, oh, what, what about the guy? Right, nah, he's all right, he's all right. So I go, oh, I'll just sit in. And we kind of just rolled around, and he killed us. That's <laughs> <laughs> what that about. Uh, Stuart Martin Lawrence, uh, left my helmet done up to save about three seconds in T1. I could not get over my chin. lost about a minute trying to sort that mess out. Christopher Doyle, uh, passing on the right on the bike, some slow bikers just refused to stay right. Luckily, I didn't get a penalty. Mm, which is why I'm wearing a TT helmet twice in Kona and losing half my body weight in sweat with no ventilation. No <laughs> stopping to put a jacket on when I was kissing down during the I, I think he was meaning pissing, pissing down. down yep. yeah. uh, during Ironman New Zealand to save time in a 180k ride. Chump. Good old Louis Fly Lou Di Giuseppe. Um, oh, Louis. Crop top, speedo, and no socks. Ironman Kona 1994. Wanted to look like a pro. Forgot to remember I was going to be on this course almost two hours longer than them. Permanently damaged skin from the sunburn and blisters I suffered on that fateful day. Still remember the pain of the burn as I was going down Palani for the last time. Oh, that's gold. Some of those... um. <laughs> so you suppose going to some of the suntans you see at gold, aren't they? Oh yeah, yeah was that was one of the good things with wearing the long sleeve top and Kona. I got no sunburn. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. Uh, Arnold, how's his name? Arnold Silikov. Silikov. Okay, uh, I've done my share in the early nineties from a homemade seat shifter. That's got gold homemade. Shit. And you got a lot of you guys won't have known the sheet seat shifter. What is it? You could basically, um, I don't know if you pressed a button or how you moved it. But you could have your seat go forward and back. So you, when you're in the TT position, you'd roll your seat so forward. You get more arrow. Yeah, um, and also just a, a different position. And then when you, if you need to go up climbs, yeah, you want to get your weight back. Yeah. And then you so you push your seat and it goes back. So it's sitting on rails, so it would go forward and back. Well, he's got his was heavy and crap. Yeah. <laughs> to drilling holes in the front of derailleur up uh, to homemade nutrition from Emberman, which ended up spilled. Uh, oh, he spat on the countryside. So. so he drilled holes in his front derailleur oh, to a homemade nutrition. So he must have had some sort of, yeah, nutrition thing either under his seat or whatever. But yeah, it sounds a bit dodgy, Arnold. Okay, what are yours? Um, I had a couple. I think I'm, I'm sure I've mentioned these before on the show. But anyway, we'll do it again. Uh, I think I mentioned this last week, the, the full body Vaseline. That was just a, a, a training day in a swimming pool. It was a bit cold. <laughs> not a significant advantage. And you're, and you're not lacking, lacking body here. So. Uh, that was when I was probably 13 or 14. Oh, okay. Even back then, I probably still had a bit. Pretty tricky to get that bad stuff off. 
uh, did the chest wax. Ugh. I think I mentioned that on the show before. I did that in France. That was some blood everywhere, and it had to be done over two days because I could not handle the pain. Why did, why did you just stop? You can't stop when you're halfway through. <laughs> it's just that would have been a good look. Go to the pool with half your chest wax. Oh, that's good. And also. Not really to gain advantage. When I was a kid, I got Avon shaved in the back of my head. That was my swimming club. And um, when I was away at oh, Nationals, you thought you were pretty cool. Thought I was pretty cool. <laughs> pretty got back to school. <laughs> Have you got any photos of that? I went to. I don't. The young guy at the gym right now in the weights room, and and he's very into himself because you could tell because he looks in the mirror the whole time he's working out. Mm. And it's kind of hard not to when you're at the gym because got mirrors around you. But he he's very good at looking in the mirror. Yeah. And he's got a bit of a haircut like that. Yeah. You kind of think. I wonder what you'll think 10 years from now. So I got that and then I went to a very private school and I got back and went to school and they told me to go home for a couple of weeks and wait till it grew out. You got suspended? Yeah. Really? Yeah. It wasn't an official suspension. It was more go home until that goes back. Oh, so you two weeks off just for a haircut? Yeah. That's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. So those are my, my little stupid things that I've done. Uh, I, I, I can't think of too many. My more training things. So I remember hill reps up Mount Pleasant. Yeah, no lights and at dark at night. Yeah, that's pretty stuff crazy. like that. And I remember not knowing, couldn't couldn't really see the road, mm-hmm. so I was literally feeling my way down. The road. I, I swam across Corsia Bay one time with, through, through the ship lane. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I want to do that. That's, that's going to be one of our challenges uh, for our tenth anniversary. I forgot to mention that. Oh last really? Week. Now we're going to we're going to do an Ironman in Christchurch. Oh, is this what we're doing now? Is it? Yeah, we'll do a split one. We'll do it over three days. So okay. Friday, 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 we'll, we'll, and people. Will, Everybody can come down and join us. Come to Christchurch. We'll swim across the Littleton Harbour. Maybe get the ferry across and swim back. It'll be ballpark 3, 3.8 k. You've got to give her boats. Yeah, no, we'll have some. Have, have some yeah, uh, I didn't have that. In the middle, yeah. Yeah, I was a bit worried for a second there. Yeah. And then we'll bike 100 k. We'll bike to Akaroa um, and back. And then on Sunday, we'll do a marathon run. And oh, the run train. will be from my place. To my place? We'll, <laughs> no, we'll do the Boulder Bay um, oh, run. Fine. And I measured that the other day, just online, and it's basically 42 k from my place. Oh, wow. So it's a beautiful run. We'll have a barbie at the end. Yeah, go in the Jump pool. pool. Exactly. Oh, good times. Good I've times. Start training. Yeah, I've got two years, have I? No, you got um. We're eight a years year, now, aren't we? One year. Oh, we are two. Yeah, next year. Far out, Brussels sprout. Mm. Tell you what, John, I've been doing weights again. Yeah, that's not going to help you doing it. No, it is actually right. because tell you what, weights can make your body strong. Mm. Okay, and I'm feeling good. No injuries. Feeling good. strong and. and I'm, yeah, I'm pushing my body hard and like knocking the injuries. I'm loving it. Jombo. Um, also, Peter Colson's played the diplomatic card of the Australian New Zealand Rover. He's got a congratulations to the cricket and the Kiwis winning a triathlon again. Killing me to post both. Well done. Yeah. You're being the better person. We're not. Gosh. We're rubbing it. We're rubbing it because it's probably going to end somewhere. <laughs> um, this week's discussion. Okay, so this is a controversial one. Who sent this through, John? Bruce Tomlinson. He's got. Bevan, apologise if uh, you've John, you and John have already covered this topic. My discussion is this, and he has got. I fully expect that I'll be called a sexist for bringing this up, but the issue is worth discussing with the Iron Talk community. I am a global participation is approximately 80% male and 20% female, yet Kona or 70.3 worlds are about 65% male and 35% female. This doesn't seem fair. Ooh, yes, you're opening a door here. In <laughs> uh, my age group of 50 to 54, I need to race a sub 945 to get a chance to qualify, and yet women are around 90 to 102 hours slower, 90 minutes to two hours slower. This compares to the standard of 45 to 60 minutes, minutes differential in the pros. So his question really is what, John, should men get more slots for Kona based on the percentage of men participating in the sport? Yes. So at the moment, like it's an 80-20 split 
according to Bruce, in terms of the participation numbers in Ironman, and yet when you go to Kona, it's only 65% male, 35% female. So the argument is that it's harder for someone like Bruce and his age group of 50 to 54 to get to Kona to, based on the, the... There's less numbers in his slot compared to yeah. participant rates. So we want to hear your thoughts on this. Yeah. Don't call me sexist pig. It's you a, can if you want. Okay. Call me sexist pig. Yeah. <laughs> But at the same time, the thing is... Don't discuss it now, Bevan. I'm just, saying, I'm just saying you should be allowed to have these discussions. Oh, yeah. You're a sexist pig. Yeah. yeah. So, Bruce, you're not a sexist pig. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll hold off till next week. Control yourself. Okay. Uh, we'll do it. We'll do H- oh, okay. Sponsor. Athens. I'm in New Zealand, John. I'm in New Zealand. It's coming up this week, and I thought we'd just check it out on Athletics to see what who's who's heading up there. We've got um, Pavel Chalice from Auckland. He's a Polish dude. He's going to be racing. Targeting. Is he in Auckland? Is he? He lives in Auckland. Yeah, oh. yeah. He came down on a camp a few weeks ago. How was he? He's, he's aiming to do twelve hours. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Spank it, uh, Joseph Caru Bork. He's a, he's a become a patron of the show. He's from Christchurch as well. Aiming for nine hours photo. fifty. Have I met Joseph? Don't, I don't think I have. I'm not sure. You may have done. Well, Joseph's done a 309 marathon. He's done a 1041 Ironman. He's done a, a Jesus, 1041, so he's looking to get chopping 50 minutes he's off He's done that. a 436 half. Yeah. That's pretty good. Where's that at? Auckland? Um, let's have a look. Say. Uh, this is all thing. You can just go and research people. No, you've never met him. You've never met him. That's reasonably quick there. Yeah. You've never met him. Now you know all about his races. Where he's Auckland, he did if, you do, if you do meet him, you go, hey, Joseph, how did that Auckland race go for you? Well, he won his age category in, in um, Port Tarong. He got seventh in uh, Auckland. So nice. he's doing pretty good. He's only 20, uh, 24. Nice. Young fella. He's got a, he's that Ironman New Zealand. He's got a happy photo crossing the line. He's pumped the arms up. We're in a nice true blue suit there. Cool. And then you got Tony Hodge coming back. She won a... A slot for Kona last year in the sort of the, the lottery they had at Auckland. She was a lovely old Tony, yeah, wasn't she? Aim for 12 hours Very 30. Happy person she is. And then uh, Alex Reifheimer, uh, he was put up here, his, he's not committed to this race distance yet. But man, I checked out his bloody target time 8 hours 40. That's what he put down. I went, wow. I went back it up. This guy's got to be on a different bloody planet. What's he all about? So you did your research? So I did and checked him out, and it's a legit target. Wow, so he, he, he could be a top five. So he did uh, 8.34. And I don't, I'm pretty sure he's racing as a pro, I mean, as an age grouper. Um, so again, you can go on here, and he's got one Ironman result, and he went to um, Ironman Western Australia, I think it was, and went 8.34 there. So, yeah, it's just a cool way where you can go and, Check out your competition. If you're trying to win your age group, you know, you've got some people you're not quite sure about, go and check them out on Athlinks and suss them out and see if they're the real deal or if they're just uh, talking the smack talk and not, up, not able to back it up with the results. What's cool, John, is you go on here and you go back to the old... So you, so SBS Marathon, Tony Hodge did that in 2008. Mm-hmm. And uh, Craig Kirkwood did it as well. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he got fourth. Yeah, what do you run? Uh, 2.25. You're not going to take that one, John. I'm not going to get that one. I got no ambitions of getting that one. No, Jason Palmer. He's he's an athletes guy. He got um, he got twentieth overall, mm-hmm. and he did two forty. And that's what you can do. You can kind of just see all your friends on here, and just kind of you, can, you literally go on a site and you get lost in people. 
but it's just a cool way where you can you can yeah assist your progress as you're going through your career and sometimes we all you know we have this goal inflation when we go into races or you have a slightly poor performance and you go oh that was a bit crap but then you you look back and you go where was I five years ago and you can go jeepers man you know some guys make massive gains yeah you might have improved your 10k time by seven minutes in the first sort of five to seven years of your triathlon career so you can go back and reflect on on the good stuff that you've done so check it out athlinks.com and keep all your results in one place okay i'm gonna put some music on jumbo Of the week, okay. Who sent through this one? This is Scott Rice. Scott Rice has got. I would like to nominate my friend Scott Lott as age group. Is it Iot or Slot? I don't know if that's an I or an L. I think it's an I. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but I still don't know so how you pronounce it. I O T T. Ott. I don't know. Yeah. Scott lives out. <laughs> lives just outside of Scott. Chicago, USA. Works as an elementary school teacher and also personally coaches 15 triathletes as a USAT certified coach with Training Bible Coaching, founded by Joe Farrell. Scott was a multiple-time Iron, uh, sorry, Kona qualifier, but has spent the better part of nine months struggling with recurring leg injuries, despite not being able to run for more than. Uh, one, two short sessions per week for the last eight months. Scott continued to display a relentlessly positive attitude and refused to give himself any built-in excuses going into Ironman Wisconsin. Scott had been a great race at Ironman going into Ironman Wisconsin, working up his way to first place in the age group of 35 to 39 before succumbing to leg pain and having to walk most of the second half of the marathon. Despite the disappointment of Ironman Wisconsin, Scott continued to stay positive and focused recovery with a brief build-up to Ironman Arizona this past weekend. So when was that? That was probably November. November. Scott patiently, uh, patience and previs, uh, perseverance. perseverance paid off. He, as he had a second overall amateur and 18th overall with an 8.55.05, posting a phenomenal sub-three-hour marathon to finish the race. Not only was this his personal achievement noteworthy at Ironman Arizona, Scott's coaching abilities were in full display as four of his athletes qualified for Kona at Ironman Arizona. His gift for bringing out the best in others, ability to positively impact those around him, and self-depreciating demeanour make him the kind of person who others naturally gravitate towards. Equally comfortable sharing a five-hour smash fest or a cool beverage post-ride, he manages to balance being a husband to his wife, Toby, and father of his two young boys, aged five and seven, with training, work, coaching, and strong friendships. I'm proud to have Scott as a close friend enthusiastically and support him as his nomination of Age Grouper of the Week. That's pretty impressive, isn't it? What's impressive here is, um, and it's the same with... um Who's tall timber from Australia? Who I had the sprint finish with uh, Paul O'Doherty. Yep. Pod is Scott's gone out here and absolutely spanked it. He got second, and we've got to say second overall amateur and eighteenth overall at yeah. I'm at Arizona. That's usually a pretty competitive field. So yeah. he's, I'm, I'm assuming he's won his age group there if he's second amateur overall. Yeah. Um, but doing that off a really limited running, you know, one to two runs a week. And remember Pod saying he did. He was really limited with his running going into Kona and had one of his best runs ever. You know, he was doing strength and conditioning training and just doing a couple of runs. And Scott sounded like the same thing, just doing a couple of short runs per week, yet still managed to pull out a sub three hour marathon, which is which is that's, that's, pretty that's amazing. It's going really it? good, really yeah. good. So, um, I mean, it must be nice as well because 
it's just frustrating when you've got injury, isn't it? It's mm, frustrating yeah. when you've had a long period of time when you're just injured and it's just doing your head in. And, you know, when you're, when you're a quality athlete and you know that you're not getting the training in, and then you have a race which proves that, you know, the work that you're not doing is really affecting you, to then go into the next race, it's hard not to have that mental cost going into that race. Mm. And so the fact that he was able to kind of turn around, you know, not long after Wisconsin – go to Arizona and absolutely smack it out of the park. That's pretty impressive, isn't it? Yep, and legit age grouper, you know, teacher, full-time teacher, and I assume full-time, and then uh, got a family as well. The one gig with teaching, though, that's pretty good, you do get those little yeah, blocks breaks, of training yeah. where you can just go nut bar yeah. and go go hard, which is um, which is great. But uh, during the term, it's obviously pr- pretty difficult. But it just sounds like one of those guys, like every community has those, those people who are fundamental to their local triathlon community, mm. you know, who just give back a lot, who, uh, you know, Get, you know, get involved, and you know, like as Scott, um, as Scott was saying, you know, like the two Scots. That's what's happening. Yeah. As Scott was talking about Scott, yeah. uh, he was, you know, like he, he can smash it out with the best of them, but then at the same time, he's just kind of available for everyone else. So, Scott, you are L or I O T T. You are age group of the week. week. Okay, John. Uh, oh, you want, you want music? Yeah, we better have a bit of music. Here's, here's some music. Statistic, it's, it's fantastic. fantastic. Okay, this one is going to come through from a listener, John. It is. So feel out. free if you've got good stats that you think are noteworthy, um, flick them through because uh, I'll only have so many I can pluck out of the air myself. Oh, so, Peter Price. Peter Price. Pete Price. Pete Price, that's a good name, isn't a couple it? Of, and we even have two stats this week that he picked up from his comrades' newsletter that he thought John might be able to use. And yes, I can use them. Fast facts. During a marathon... Typical male nipple brushes the shirt approximately fifty thousand times, causing a burning sensation and bleeding. Do you get do you get nipple? Yes, I do. Oh, see, I'm lucky. I've only a couple of times I've had it, and it's just been purely bad top choice. It's yes. Yeah, oh, if you get it's it, it's not, not a lot of fun. I, the problem is, you I know, get the rash between the legs a little bit more. No, I don't get any of that. Bull rash, that's, yeah. that's not very much fun yeah. either. <laughs> that's no, <it's> <laughs> that's, that's too big. And then, and then you've got to walk like you're a bloody cowboy for the next week afterwards. Yeah, no, I don't stuff through that. And the problem with nipple rash is you know it's happening when you're out running, you know, it's wet and it's raining or whatever, and you're going, there's not much I can do, I'm out here running. Yeah. It's not a lot of fun. Have you ever done the tape the nipples up? I've asked my nipples from time to time. <laughs> and there's not in training. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know all my tracks. <laughs> but let it come and vest my nipples. Yeah. Okay, next fact. And then we've got a double up fact here from Pete Price. Approximately 80% of all male runners who run 10K or more in a single workout experience some degree of chafing and abrasion. See, so my below factor. Uh, it's got to be over 90 minutes before it becomes a problem. Right. Yeah, but once that happens, it's not much fun. It's not much fun. No. So those are your statistic, fantastic stats for this week. Okay, uh, sponsor. Extreme Endurance. I so love Facebook, someone gave us another plug. We did, I did. So I think yeah. it's Brett Samut. Uh, yeah, he's got uh, Just Loving Extreme Endurance, three round three races yesterday at my local festival. Paced the two-hour half marathon group, then did a 10K, and finally ran with my daughter in a 10-minute PB for the 5K. That's pretty awesome. Solid no issues. Day. Great recovery. Back training today. It's a big day. Twenty-one k, thirty-one k. Not far from marathon. About thirty-seven k. Nice work, Brett. Yeah. Taking the X endurance. But I love this little ad. I'm just going to play from endurance. Here we go. So you're working out. Maybe you're working out. Knowing the burn could strike at any moment. When, sure enough, a bear girl jumps on your back. Bear. You know, 
fearsome furball that's every athlete's mortal enemy, lactic acid buildup. When you hit the wall, it can feel like Teddy here mauled you into the ground. Want to kick that lactic bear right in the acid? Oh yeah. Well, now you can. Introducing Extreme Endurance. With all this natural, certified, drug-free, ace-in-the-hole solution, you'll be able to reduce lactic acid buildup by up to 15% and say hello to less muscle soreness. Yep, less muscle soreness. And without anything to hold you back, you'll find yourself recovering faster, performing better, and feeling stronger than ever. There you go, recover faster, reduce your lactic acid buildup, and just have less muscle soreness. There we go. Just like Brett, you'll be on fire and you'll be able to run three events in one day. That is pretty cool, isn't it? That is very cool. That is hardcore, Brett. So check it out, xendurance.com. Remember the promo code IMTALK10 and gets uh, until April 1st, gives you 10% off. So the old one, I am Talk 5, doesn't work anymore. The current one, through to April 1st, I am Talk 10, works on uh, all the sites.com.eu.uk. And uh, yeah, so get on it, get your stocks up for for summer season for you guys in the Northern Hemisphere. Good times, okay, questions and answers. We'll do two, I'll let you do two. I can probably do these pretty quickly. Okay, first one is from Cohen Chance, but we haven't heard from him in a while. He's just saying, just watch Ironman Western Australia on the DVR while riding... The kicker and trainer road, nice work, bit of a plug, yeah, yeah. nice work. Uh, at the halfway point on the bike, Yvonne Van Vlerken, he wasn't quite sure about the spelling. I think you did really well yeah, there, actually. Yeah, I was pretty impressed with it as well. Uh, slides, out, uh, slides out on the U-turn and appears to be unable to get her top shoe out of the pedal laying on her side. She appears to be asking for help and the next shot on the TV, two guys are helping her to get going like a mechanic in the Tour de France I know you can get help for mechanical issues on the bike but I thought you couldn't get assistance otherwise confused you're right to be confused Mm. I don't think technically you're allowed to get help but I think in situations like this you can kind of go are you really getting an unfair advantage probably not you're stuck on the bike so I think they're probably just going we can give you a little hand. Okay, nice. going. So, so Don't be too harsh on a chance. A bit of human decency. Yes. Okay. Jonas uh, has got... Uh, I'd, like I, I, this, I'd like to ask a delicate question, which was um, partially already discussed. The problem when you have to pee on the bike or the run mm. is the old problem everyone has. What I did so far is just let it flow. Good strategy. That's what you got to do. As I found what out... I mean, like, instead of letting it dribble out? Oh, well, let me, let me carry on. Okay. As I found out, this is not optimal. It's... Just, Gusting, but the biggest problem is that you're wet everywhere. In my last race, I was getting huge blisters on my mm. feet because everything was wet. It was a really huge problem. Now, the optimal solution would be a tri suit where you have a small zip or one with a zip down, down so far you can unzip and pee. All tri suits so far I find don't make this possible, but I cannot find anything on the market. Do you know where I can find such a thing or are there other tips? The problem here, Jonas, is I understand where you're coming from for the run where you need to be able to flop it out nice and quickly to, to go for a whiz if you if you don't want to do it on the on the fly. Where can you do that on the run? Sorry? Where can you do it? You can't you you can't go you, you can't just nip it out in, on the run. Well you just nip into a, one of the porta potties when oh, you're running along. Um but the problem what about here, the old pull the leg up trick. Sorry? Well, you could do that, but some of them are pretty tight okay. and um, some people aren't quite as well endowed as you maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, if only <laughs> so the problem here Jonas is you've got to think backwards is yeah if you've got a tri suit this is a, that's a good strategy for the run having something where you can kind of flop it out like a pair like a boxes sort of you know your, your zip or whatever but the problem on the bike if you're in the aero position 
you're going to get some pretty nasty stuff going on down there if you've got to be lying on that all the way through the bike ride. So that is why it hasn't been invented and that's why it won't be invented. And the simple solution is, is just a race in a two-piece. Um, but if it's a non-wetsuit swim, that's a little bit of a hassle. But then you go and get yourself a Blue 70 swim skin and you're absolutely fine. So but, but if you, you want to you, be able you to... You race fly, in a tri suit? Uh, not long, long course races. I generally I do a half, but I, I never have to pee on the run. I've never I've had to I've only peed on the run once, and that's because I was being a big softy and I just wanted a little break. Oh, okay. Uh, every other time, uh, I never need to pee on the run, but I generally race in a two piece. Um, just so then, if you need to do a number one or a number two, but when you're yeah. on a bike, you don't you pee in your pants. You pee in your pants, yeah. but that's a bit different because it's not going to and then on the pants. run, it goes yeah. straight into your shoes, and if you don't want that squelchy feeling, um, then that's very pee in your shoes. Okay. Yep. No good luck. John, training camp question. This is from John to John. Hey guys, I love your podcast. A recent uh, listen to the interview of Gordo regarding training camps and I had a question I was hoping you could answer. I'm a previous qualifier for Kona, uh, but got away from Ironmans for a bit and I'm looking to go and make another go at it and was planning to overview my training plan. I know the most important load is, is done about three to seven weeks out from the Ironman, but if I wanted to do a six to eight day overload camp to have the biggest impact on my race, where should that be placed? I've done many big camps before, but they were mostly placed in the early base phase period to jumpstart my training. My plan is to have an overload camp start about five weeks out for approximate uh, four weeks out, recover for a week, and then do a broken Ironman core block weekend three weeks out. And that's where I jump in, and I say that's basically perfect. Is I, I agree with you, lots of people seem to do their camps early in the season, and they're fantastic for sort of getting your base, your base and your fat burning and getting stuff going, but I agree with you. I think you're, there's much more benefit in doing it sort of in that sort of five to eight week window, and so I think what you've got planned is absolutely perfect in terms of doing it then and then having an easier week and then having two more good weeks and then tapering into the race. The one other thing that I'd really encourage you to do though is to try to find a race that's around about a half that's say seven to eight weeks out so do that before you camp and then maybe have an easier week and then do your camp but I think it's really important for people doing Ironman build-ups is that you do have a half in there somewhere that you go out there and you really spank it and that'll give you some good base numbers if you're working off power or heart rate you'll sort of or pace you'll get a basic good idea of where you're at and what's going to be realistic for Ironman and then you sort of track on with your training so I'd agree with you John um, doing a big camp sort of in that you know anywhere five to eight weeks out is fantastic easier week two weeks of solid training and then sort of week to two weeks taper into the race good old Lucas has got uh, rather by coincidence I stumbled upon your podcast last year and ever since I then I've been tuning in every week really love your show and especially the sense of humour of both of you guys I do believe I have a rather unusual query for you guys but still I was hoping I'd get some insiders from the triathlon world originally from Germany I'm currently studying in the UK I am now what sadly appears to be in my last year of studies and I was hoping you guys had some pieces of advice on how to best start a business career in triathlon as at 26 I am most likely not going to make it as a pro you must have been studying for a long time if you're 26 and you're still at uni yeah but some people do they, they, do. Do they love it you yeah. know? they love it I had, so, a mate, I had a mate who was when I, I used to train with this guy at the gym for years and he, he's now a doctor in psychology. Mm. He was there to his 30 mm. and came out for like $200,000 debt as well. Look <laughs> at that. Look at that. I was trying to think of a good way. I mean, obviously the traditional ways you go down the coaching path and things like that, but I think if you start, it's like anything, you've got to start from the bottom. And I would have thought if I was in, depending on what your degree is, I mean, um, if it's something fancy, then you probably want to, 
I don't know, going another direction. But if you were someone who just wants to get into triathlon industry, my I, I would suggest you know an, an easy way to start working for like a distributor, and then and then it's just it's it's just a matter of setting up networks. You know, if you start working for a distributor, you're gonna start to bump into other people within the industry, work your way up a bit, and then maybe go to you know if you go to trade shows and events and things like that, then you can start to again bump into other people and just try to work your way up, meet people, and it's not what you know, it's who you know. Uh, my advice would be learn business. Um, although um, your service, really, if you're going to be a coach or something like that, um, again, it depends on what you're like. You know, what do you want to do in your career? Do you actually want to be one on one with people, or do you, as John was saying, do you want to be a bit more behind the scenes in some of the sales type jobs or the kind of people kind of skills jobs? If you do want to be as in one on one helping people, your job service really like mm. you need you need your skill set, you need your understanding of how to help people achieve their goals. But at the end of the day, it's custom service stuff, it's marketing, it's it's small business kind of bookkeeping and stuff like that and most people in the fitness industry fail because they have no sense of small business skills and so mm. if you want to kind of have a career that you can build and sustain um, I would kind of develop those skills in myself and then and ultimately a question I think you've always got to explore is um, where is the money and it's one there was a really good book I read about 18 months ago and it was a, it was a book where they studied um, you know the people who are worth more than 10 million Mm-hmm. So it was kind of saying, you know, like, you know, there's, nowadays there's lots of millionaires out there, but there's lots of people who are doing well. But what's the difference between the person who's upward of 10 million? So even like billionaires, how do they think? And they're talking about, you know, the people who tend to be doing well in life, they have the idea that, you know, the, the philosophy we all hear is um, if I follow my passion, the money will come. And and they said one of the big differences between people who think like that and the people who are with a lot more money is that they go follow my passion and then find out where the money is mm-hmm. and you see that you know like there's a lot of personal trainers at my gym who are very passionate about the job but live on the bones of their ass and uh, it's a, that's a big fitness industry thing and so you've really got to think about well in triathlon in my local community where is their money to be made and so you might want to explore is it putting on events is it you know mm. getting doing some product distribution is it, is it coaching and if it is coaching actually how do you make money from it so like in the personal training industry nowadays you know the team training products seem to do really well there's a girl at my gym who's got a product called uh, i don't know got no kick ass whatever it's called i can't remember what it's called bbb yeah. i think she calls it um but she's got these these woman team training products she's breaking and she's putting like two or three hundred dollars in a session mm. and uh, she's just doing really well and she's found the niche in the market she's found the money and that's what you've you've really got to think about that because otherwise you know triathlon coaching it's, it's it can be oh, really it's tough competitive and it's yeah, yeah. And it's, you don't you don't get rich doing triathlon no, coaching no no you don't and it's, again it's a cool lifestyle and all the rest mm. of it but you know you do have to think about how do I make it a sustainable career where I can actually make an income going off that? And so to actually explore that question of where the money is within it's probably a good place to start. Nice. Um, Jombo patrons. We love our patrons. You do some, keep the show rolling. We oh, love yeah. it. I, I was saying to Bevan before the show, the guys that are coming in uh, at sort of the 20 buck a month level, we've just got my beanies ordered. So 10 bucks a month, you get an awesome I Am Talk swim cap, nice black cap with our logo on there. It looks awesome if you come in at 20 bucks a month you get a cap and you get a beanie and it's going to be icebreaker ice quality awesome. merino and we'll have the i am talk logo on it and uh we love all you guys that come in at whatever whatever level you we can really, we really can't say it enough guys we really appreciate that you guys would um you know give out some of your hard-earned cash to to support what we do here we know you guys enjoy the show and obviously that's why you're doing it but just thank you so much for the people who are doing this awesome so first up we've got i've uh, changed it i've changed okay. the name okay uh Sulikov 
Uh, Arnold Sulikov. Yeah, you've got there in the wrong way. Arnold is the current wetsuit champion. Uh, some blue 70 wetsuit aquathon champion in Kona. Did he, he is the champion, isn't he? Pretty sure he did. Yeah. Did he win it and then some, with the handicap? Did he, have a sprint, did he have a spring suit on or something like that, maybe? That's maybe what it was. He didn't have yes, the proper suit Yes, Mark, because Mark Petrofetsa was the official That's champion. right, but he was first across Arnold the line. Sulikov was first across the line, and I, th- I thought he maybe had a spring suit on. Which then maybe kind of brew him over when that came a little bit. Because okay. then I thought, because he won the wetsuit aquathon, but yeah, it is Mark Petrofessor won it. Yeah. But because he was first across the line, I thought, well, he looks good in a wetsuit. And then I thought, who mm. looks good in a wetsuit? And I was like, well, Batman wears a suit. Yeah. And I thought, Bat suit. And I'm like, oh, that's not really good. And I thought, Bat sleek. Bat sleek? Yeah. Can you go with that anyway? Yeah. Bat sleek. Yes. Or, or maybe we just call him sleek. Sleek? Yeah. Okay. And it works with his name. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. There you go. We got it. Arnold Sleek Silikov. Yeah. Okay. Sleek in his wetsuit. Okay. Nice. You know, next. David Doherty, he's, uh, we've done this nickname in the past. Good old D squared. The D squared. John, the Mountain Snail Hancock. Oh, he's been a long time supporter of the show and a big part of the show. Uh, Greg Williamson, uh, you did some research and he works in Christchurch. He's got an internet type of firm, I think yep. you're saying. So then we looked up an internet site for nicknames for uh, computer stuff and Alchemist came up. And I like that one. Alchemist is the ability to turn stuff into gold. Yeah. In, in the past, it was like it was almost like a you'd studied alchemy and yeah. hoping and it. I don't think it ever happened. No. Uh, and finally, we had Philip Stretch Ellis. And why Stretch? It was a past nickname we gave to him. Okay. So it must have been something stretchy. Must be really tall or something Long like arms. that, I imagine. Yep. Long arms. Okay, Jombo sponsors. Trainerroad.com. Um, yes. Um, Trainer Road. I'm sorry, my mind was elsewhere. Uh, great tool. Everyone loves it. Athlinks.com. Get in camp. Athlinks, just geek out on the results. And extreme endurance. You saw coffee's of white in here. Extreme endurance, <laughs> uh, your lactic buffer that everyone loves it when you do crazy racing. Okay, John, but what's your goss? What's my goss? Uh, yeah, the weekends you don't have much time when you've got kids. Um, I was sitting there on Sunday. Are you coaching this year? Sorry? Are you coaching this year? Bit of kids coaching, yeah. Yep. You're going to do that? Yep, doing a little bit of that. No, yep. no, as in the, the soccer team. Oh, yeah, yep, 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 yep. No, I just signed Thomas up the other day. We start starting next week. Who's he with? Wanderers? Uh, is it Cashmere Wonder or Cashmere Technical or something uh, Cashmere whatever it is but yeah I was sitting there on Sunday going what the hell did I do today it's just gone you just do stuff with the kids what did I do this weekend I go for a couple of runs and it's just like it's all just disappeared on me what about me watch the cricket though oh. that was good oh, Joe and I like, I like when we were bowling them out I literally was like a high jumper at the Olympics I'd get yeah. off the couch and I was literally like spring up into the air and pump in the air my kids were just around the corner. We've got a little sort of alcove where they've got their computer and they had a little friend over and they were just stuffing around the computer and then I kept giving them frights because I'd jump up in the air. <laughs> yeah! And then when, when um, Kane Williamson hit that six, yeah. uh, Joe and I, jump, we, we ended up just jumping into a big hug with each other. <laughs> it's a magical moment. So nothing to report. I, I, do, I am going to do a uh, Coach John. I've had a number of emails through saying we want some some project updates. Uh, oh, post projects. Well, no, because this project now, I'm into my run phase now and I'm starting to get in a groove. Ran six times last week, so oh. it was all good. How's the body? It's good, yep. Uh, so I, don't know, I must run maybe 100. 120k maybe last week 100 somewhere between 100 and 120 oh, that's good so up there. it was it was good what's the most you're doing a week uh oh, i'm probably gonna i'm probably gonna, probably gonna do 160 somewhere 100 miles i'll probably only do that one week but i'll so you can tick, to, that box. tick that box but no so it's far so good you've ever ran in a week oh, i wouldn't have run 100 miles yet that would be a plan for this year yeah 
So no, it's all good. High volume running. Right, Bevan, what's happening in your what's, world? What about this weekend? You know, you've surely got one thing planned. Uh, what's this weekend coming up? Well, I to, one of the things I did the weekend, took Thomas out on his training session for he's doing the Weetbix Triathlon. Oh, nice. So When's we, that? Uh, a couple of weeks. So we went out to the pool at Jelly Park, turned up at the pool. This part of this place we go swimming has got three pools. I've got two 25 indoors and then I've got an outdoor 50. Yep. And he has to do one length of the outdoor 50. Cool. We turned up there and some of the people were a bit stressed and there was a queue. And I said, oh, how's your day going? Oh, it's not very good. We had a code brown in the pool this morning. Oh, code <laughs> had to brown. Close, had to close the pool. But luckily not the outdoor pool. So Tom did his length and then did his 4K circuit on the bike. And I thought you were going to say 4K in the pool. I was like, well, no. you're really pushing him. No, 50 metres is, uh, is a bit of a challenge, but he managed to do it. It's good. Oh, wow. So that's. Where does he have swimming lessons? Aquagym. Okay. Are they good? Yep. 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 And coming up this weekend, what have I got on this weekend, Bevan? What's the date this weekend? I should be getting ready for the big house travel triathlon, but not doing that. Mm. Is that kind of a bit of relief in some ways? Like some ways. A lot of free time? Yes, certainly there is a bit more free time. I'm doing my, I've started my, to start my study, doing my cell and microbial oh, biology. Oh, so okay, tell us about it. It's quite hard when you haven't done any really? biology since you're probably 14. Yeah, far out. I'm like, holy shit. So wait, so how many how many hours are you going in a week? I'm not doing, I'm only doing one paper this term and I'm just doing that remotely. So it's only like a one hour lecture plus, but then I've got to try to learn all the other stuff. Is it full on? It's just a lot of learning and just stuff. You're just going, I've got no idea what you're talking about. And so, and so, <laughs> and so uh, how many hours a week are you spending on it? Not enough. <laughs> Not enough. So, yeah. Yeah. so only, only three weeks in, but it's basically the yeah, cell cell biology and it's just learning, you know, just learning all the terms. It's, it's 101 level, but yeah. it's basically but if you haven't been learning all the stuff that you're just like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Oh, it's just learning it. definitions, you know, how the cell works and all that. And it's um, yeah, it's, it's it's interesting, but it's so wait. So this long. term's just one paper. Yep. Next, and then next term I'll probably do two, maybe maybe three if I think I can. Becomes a big job, but doesn't it? It does. Yeah, yep. yeah. So we'll see how we go. I went up to Auckland for I had to do a, I did a radio interview at mm-hmm. midnight. It's kind of weird. Eh? Good times. Uh, they had a lot of listeners. They're called the Nutters Club. Um, and they flew you up there. They flew me up. Yeah. Why would they not just do that remotely? Yeah, I, don't, I don't really know why. So yeah. I flew up. Um, I flew up um, Sunday. Sunday five o'clock. Yeah. Did the interview from eleven to one. Yeah. At night, and then came back the next day. That's odd. That was kind of odd. Yeah. Uh, so the, the it's 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 a it's a show that Mike King, you know Mike King, the yeah, comedian. Yeah. So. He kind of he's a famous New Zealand comedian. Uh, lived a very hard life, you know, drugs and alcohol and all the rest of it, and then had uh, some pretty tragic events and um, had a stroke and wanted to commit suicide and stuff, and kind of turned his life around and gave up all that lifestyle. And so he does this show called The Nutters Club, and it's getting people who have turned their life around and, and just sharing their stories. And so, uh, but within it, you have these talk back calls, and we, you know, so you kind of get on there first. Talk back at eleven to one. Did they get many callers? Yeah, yeah, people ring up. Yeah, yeah. The, the thing you realise is there's actually quite a lot of lonely people out there yeah you know and it was actually really sad so one thing that happened was so we're talking away and then one lady gets on and people aren't really that interested in you they just want to get on and tell their story yeah. and so um this one lady got on and she's like got cancer and she's gonna like she just really <laughs> she was yeah. lonely and stuff and it was just like you just forget man like there's a lot of lonely people out there eh? and yeah. so um so yeah it was but then there was some other calls that were quite fun but there was kind of a but what was really crazy about it was so i finished it about Probably by the time I got out of the uh, the radio station and finished, probably about twenty past one, and 
Auckland is a big city, so on a Sunday night, it's when just, just starting. People were, well, just there's lots of people out. Yeah. And I was staying across the road from the City Mission, which is basically where the homeless people are. Oh, I've so, stayed out there before. Yeah. So it's uh, Auckland Oaks. Oh, it's just down the road from the Oaks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, so it's, it's it was just a really out of a place to be and out of a time. You know, like mm. I go to bed at night and I sleep, and the world stops. But there's this whole other world that exists at that time, and it was just kind of interesting being exposed to that. So. Uh, that was that was very much my week, and then um, the same. I'm just enjoying my body being good, John. Good, because you know if we are, if how much, what's the minimal amount of training I'll be able to do to do this challenge next year? I don't think you have to do that much. It's just a run, really. You'll yeah. survive the bike ride. You'll survive the swim. What bike ride are we going to do? Macro return. Oh, really? You'll I'm going to I'm gonna have to do some training for it, but a little bit. I'm not going to hammer it. Well, well, I might. I'll be by it. myself. Well, you've, that's why we need some listeners to come and come join on, us. Come on, team. Mountain Snail, you know you want to. Yeah, we can do it as a pack, right? Because no <coughs> if Mountain Snail beats me up the hill, it'll break my heart. But yeah. I'll be able to catch him on the downhill. Yeah. So. so is it raining <coughs> out there? What's this all about? Is not raining in Christchurch all whole summer? Oh, yeah, there was a bit of rain. Yeah. God. I've got to say, this show's bloody dragging on. <laughs> Just had an email through from ITU. They got okay. some good prize money. Each World Series triathlon race will offer $150,000, while the bonus pool, again, will be $755,000. That's on top of all that race. Total overall prize pool has increased to $2.385 million. I do have a rent, so it's really good. Well done. Mm. That's good. They're going to make a lot of money. Yeah. While, while the WTC athletes... Squalor. We should start there... Huh? Like a, a an aiding, you know, dollar a day. Feed the athletes. Yeah. <laughs> Except the, the people who are, on the, who are on that new Bahrain team, they get excluded. Yeah, they get excluded. <laughs> they have to give $2 a day. Jombo, I do have a rant. Yeah. So I come out of this, this interview at one in the morning, and, uh, and it was a cool interview and stuff. Uh, the guy I did the interview with, was, there was two guys. There was one was a young guy about my age, young, mm-hmm. and then there was this older guy, and, and he told me he bought a piece of land in Waiheke Island back in the 70s for 20K. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Pretty good investment that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a few mil now. But anyway, came out. I was a bit peckish, John. And mm-hmm. yeah, dairy food. What are you going to get? Some dairy food. Yeah, at oh, a dairy. Oh, what oh, you oh get? dairy. Sorry. Um, pack of chips, hot dog, pie, pie, pie. pie. John yeah. pie. And you know, I don't do my pies that often. But you know what I love in a pie? A cheese. Cheese and mince, mince and cheese. Cheese, mince and cheese pie. You give me a good cheesy mincy pie. Mm-hmm. That's why, as much as the crappy pies, those Georgie pie cheesy pies, uh-huh. they deliver on the cheese, John. I go high end when I go pies these days. Yeah, but at the dairy, you're yeah, not going to get a high end pie. You know, where do you get a high end pie from? Um, Darfield. Was it not Darfield? Um, Springfield. Oh, just the, drive out there. <laughs> you yeah. drive out there for a pie. Yeah, it's like seventy k's away. <laughs> I'm now you get in the the pie slide. What do you call that? The warmer, the pie yeah, warmer. Yeah, yeah. Four different choices of cheese pies. Yeah. And mm. I've been to this one before, and I remember last time I chose this pie and didn't have much cheese. So I'm like, okay, <laughs> well, you know, because nothing worse when you buy a cheesy pie. Yeah. So then I buy the big cheesy pie. Yeah. And what do you think that's going to be like? Cheesy. Oozing it. It's almost going to burn your cheeks because there's so yeah. much cheese is oozing outside, John. Disappointed. I don't think there was any cheese in the pie. Oh, I'm going to write them. I'm that disappointed. Yeah. Actually, I wrote that. I wrote right. right about the pie. Nothing worse when you're expecting the melted cheese just to come out of the pie. Bit hot, but you've got to blow the pie because it's so yeah. good. No, like seriously, I don't think they had any cheese in there. I'm hearing you. You can't call it the big cheesy pie if there's no cheese. That's Bevan's rent of the week. So that is a doozy. I'm, I think I'm we not, should probably wrap this up. Yeah. This must be easy two hours. No, no, we're quite, we could do another 10 minutes or two right. if you want. Uh.
What's your favorite? What's your biggest food complaint? Biggest food complaint. You know the biggest disappointment of my cheesy pie. Uh, oh, I'm I'm a real chip connoisseur. You do love chips. I do love my chips. Yep. And so it's not a real complaint, but I go when I get a really salty bag of chips, oh. I go that is the business. Oh. So it's not a complaint. That's do you know one thing I've been disappointed with chips lately? Some of the salt. You don't get a big serving in some of those. You get a lot of air. A lot of yeah, a big bag, not much yeah, chip. Yeah. But you no, know, they brought back the Orions. Orions, yeah, 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 yeah. nice thick the, ones, the big thick ones, and I mm. love the thick because I love sucking a chip. Yeah, I like getting all the flavour out, and then I break down each lane. There's a process yeah. to how I eat a chip. Yeah. How do you eat a chip? I, I, I like the salty stuff. Salt, salt on the but tongue. But do you just crunch and go? Pretty much. Oh, I see. I Many chips at once. That's my strategy. <laughs> big handful falling out of your you mouth. kids one at a time. <laughs> but don't watch me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, don't, I, I get a chip and I try to get a big chip and I, I suck off over and then I literally, each lane I work through. Who would not last long in the Newsome household? <laughs> I'd have three chips, you'd have the rest yeah. of the bag. Me and Thomas, you'd have nothing. <laughs> well, the Orions, I brought them back, but they're not thick anymore. Oh, that's oh, pathetic. I'm, just, okay, I'm, I'm running to Orions. Right <laughs> You're a busy, busy week of letter writing. Oh, man, they better give me some free product. Next week, they yeah. better be some Orions. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Although, the Orions are delivering on the flavours. So. Good. Well done. Okay. Iron Russ. I'm Hendo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha.